Friday, April the 14th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Hope everyone is having a, a nice week. On this episode, we'll talk about the NBA playoffs. We'll dive into the start of the NBA playoffs. As I record on Thursday night, there's one more play a playoff spot for both conferences. So there's two more play-in games Friday night. So what I'll do is I'll talk about the other six series and sort of how they match up. And then early in the week, next week, we'll bring Eric on and we'll kind of check in every few days on the NBA playoffs. We'll get into horse racing Friday, Keeneland. There's no Santa Anita racing this weekend. They have a, a break. And then Gulfstream has some bad weather. They've already canceled Friday. So I'm just going to back off Gulfstream for this weekend just in case. I'll put a lot of focus on Keeneland. So we'll have Friday and Saturday Keeneland best bets. And we'll talk about a lot of their races throughout the card. And then we'll take a look at a couple plays for Oaklawn for Saturday. They have the Apple Blossom over there. It's just a field of four, unfortunately. Not really a betting race. But I do have a couple other plays on Saturday at Oaklawn. Then we'll finish up with this week in Wrestling with the Chad Cooper. We'll talk all about everything going on in the world of AEW. We missed a few weeks of AEW because we were really focused on WrestleMania, but then we'll get into everything going on WWE with SmackDown, with Raw, and we finish up with NXT. Now, I want to let you all know about a new partner that I'm going to be working with, Thrive Fantasy. If you are a fan of fantasy sports, you will love this. If you like to play fantasy, DFS, if you're someone who bets and you like to play props, you will be really good at this and you will enjoy it. So you only need to be 18 years or older. You only need to, uh, you need to be living in one of the states where you can play. California, Texas are available. 70% of the states are available. Now, when you go to Thrive Fantasy and you make your first deposit, you're going to want to use the promo code GINO. It'll get you a match deposit bonus all the way up to 250 Make sure you take advantage of it at, at, at least 25 bucks, but... You know, if you feel like you're going to play a little bit, put a little more in because you'll get that full match deposit bonus. So Gino is the promo code. And basically what you want to, you're going to do is you're going to look and find what sport do you want to play? Football, basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, cricket, golf, esports. Yeah, they have contests for all of those games. And every single day there are different contests for different games. There's baseball games every day. They have different baseball contests every day. What I like about these contests is there aren't usually thousands and thousands of entries in there. Sometimes you're playing and you know you're playing against a lot of bots and a lot of systems. These are real people that you're playing against. So some of the major contests, like the featured contest this week for basketball games, it'll be a $20 entry fee. There'll be like 100, 115 entries that they allow in. The winner gets 400 bucks, but they'll pay all the way into the top 25 spots. So even if you finish 25th, you'll get back like $25 on your $20 entry fee. It is a ton of fun. It's all based on props. And if you ever need any help, just let me know. I've been posting lots of videos of instructional videos just showing how to build the lineups here. So this is a, a game and a site um, that I found myself that I really like to play. So I reached out to them and said, I think a lot of my listeners and my follow uh, my followers on social media will enjoy this. I know a lot of you that play the races, like to bet on games. This is like right up our alley. This is perfect. It's fun. You can get a lot of action for not a lot of money, but you can turn a little bit into a lot. That's the way I like to play. So give a look. Thrivefantasy.com. That's the website. They also have parlays that you can play. Um, 
you pick props and you wager on the prop combination. So do you want to just pick one, uh, pick two, and you win 3.6 times your entry? If you pick three, you get a 6.2 times your entry four you get 11.2 times your entry and five out of five you get 20.2 times your entry it's a really fun site um check it out you'll uh, i promise if you are someone that's played in fantasy dfs stuff you'll really enjoy this use that promo code g-i-n-o okay let's talk about the nba playoffs right now as we've had a few teams from the play-in mark their spot. So we know that the Lakers, they won, they're in, they're the number seven seed. The Hawks, they won, they're in, they're the number seven seed in the East. We're still waiting to determine who is going to be the number eight seeded team in both the East and the West. So on Friday night, we'll have two games. Friday night, we'll see Minnesota and Oklahoma City play. The winner of that will get a series against Denver. So we'll spend plenty of time talking about that series. In fact, if you're a basketball fan, Myself and Eric, who you hear on this show every week, we have started a daily basketball show all through the playoffs. Every single day, we will preview every single playoff game, and that will be Monday through Friday, 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, 2 Pacific Time, and then Saturday, Sunday, noon Eastern. Every game, every day there's a game, we'll be on to preview it, give you our plays, and uh, help get you set up, and keep you updated on everything going on in the NBA playoffs. So, the Eastern side, the Eastern Conference, we'll see Miami, who lost to Atlanta. They're trying to win their way in, and they're going to be playing the Bulls. So, one more spot there, and they'll go on and play Milwaukee in that 1-8. Let's start and talk a little bit about some of these matchups. And one of the more intriguing matchups to me is the Knicks and the Cavs. We have the Cavs as a minus 205 favorite in this in the series. The Knicks are a plus 170. So this is the 4-5 matchup on the Eastern Conference. So the Knicks, what to expect from them? They're third in the league in points per possession. They are going to drive right at you. 27% of their shots came at the rim. That is third among the, the 12 playoff teams that we know that are in. Great year for Julius Randle. 25.1 points per game, 10 rebounds, over 4 assists, shooting 34% from 3 on 8.3 attempts per game. The question we ask about him, what is his health like? How is his ankle right now? Brunson has been an Incredible acquisition, 24 points per game, 6.2 assists, shooting 41% from three. Last year, he led Dallas without Luka and defeated the Utah Jazz led by Donovan Mitchell. And in that series, Brunson averaged 27.8 points per game compared to the 25.5 for Mitchell, who also shot much worse. Mitchell shot under 40% from the field. Brunson shot 48%. Josh Hart has played 25 games with the Knicks. He's shooting 52% from three. Smart player, makes all the right decisions. A guy you like to have on the court. And it's been a nice stepping stone year for Barrett, who's just under 20 points a game quickly and grimes. Barrett needs to shoot a little bit better. But this has been a fun team. If if one of their leaders, though, Julius Randle, is not healthy, they're in serious trouble. Because they're going to be playing a, a... Good defense. The Cavs are their minus 205 favorite in this series. They allow fewer points per possession during the regular season than any other team because of 
Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley. They have the number two net rating in the NBA. They were number one defense, number eight offense, the second best point differential, second most double-digit wins. And if you look at Donovan Mitchell and his career playoff average points per game, 28.3, that is number seven all-time. Here are the guys ahead of him. Michael Jordan, Luka, Allen Iverson, Kevin Durant, Jerry West, and LeBron. His last two playoff games, or his last two playoff series, the last two years, he's averaged 29.8 points per game on 36% from three on 10.2 three-point attempts per game. He's shooting more than seven free throws a game. He's averaged more points in the playoffs than Anthony Davis, Giannis, Curry, Jokic, Hakeem, Lilliard, Kobe Bryant, Dirk, Kareem, Shaq. But do they have enough depth? They're 28th in bench scoring. What does their bench look like? Lavert off the bench, Rubio, Osman, Stevens. That's the concern for me here. This is a series I wouldn't play one team the overall series. I'll play this more game to game. We just have to see what Julius looks like in this first game health-wise. But I'm, I'm really intrigued by that matchup. It's a lot of fun. Let's stick on the East right now. And let's go to what is going to be the number two and the number seven matchup. So Boston Celtics, they are a minus 1,200 favorite in this. They're the number one net rating in the league, number two offense, number two defense. Generally, if you're a team that has a top three offense and defense, you win it all. If you're like top five, you almost always win it all. Do they have enough size? The health of Robert Williams is a major factor for them. Especially in this matchup, I don't think Atlanta will beat them, but that could be a real point of weakness here because Atlanta has a lot of size they can throw at you. Capella just had 20 rebounds against Miami. They also have Collins and Oconwo. Now, can Horford compete down low with them, especially if Robert Williams is banged up? Remember, he's only played 35 games this year. He's only played seven of the final 18, and he missed seven games in last year's playoff run alone. When they played earlier this year, Boston went small. It was kind of tough for Clint Capella on the perimeter. They were able to move and get away with a lot of backdoor cuts. They also have mid-range, really good mid-range shooters. So if you drop a little bit, they just, they'll tear you apart, Boston will. They'll hit a lot of those mid-range wide-open shots. But they also have another injury to deal with, uh, Marcus Smart. His neck has been bothering him. I don't know if they want him chasing Trey around. Maybe you put Derek White on Trey. Something to point out, Al Horford this year, he's shooting 44% from three on 5.2 attempts per game. He's a career 37% three-point shooter. He's always been solid, but he's never been like a marksman. His last five years combined, he's 35%. This year, he's shooting 44%. Is he still going to shoot that well in the playoffs? Miami is plus... Uh, excuse me, Atlanta is plus 750. They beat Miami to get to this series. They out-rebounded Miami in that play-in game by 24. Since the All-Star break, this is the second-best offensive rebounding team in the league, second in offensive rebounding percentage. Oconwo and Clint Compella are individually two of the top 12 offensive rebounders in the league. For them, can DeJounte Murray and Hunter slow down Tatum and Brown. Those are two good defenders. So they should be able to make Tatum and Brown work a little bit or at least 
have a game or two where they can they can imp- implement their will uh, defensively. I just don't know about the rest of the the team depth wise because this was an Eastern Conference team two years ago. Now they're a playing team in back to back years. Trey Young only shot thirty three percent from three this year. He doesn't really want to play off the ball as much where he's really good on catch and shoot threes. They were 22nd in defensive rating. They were 25th in defensive rating in their last 15 games. Coach Snyder, they are 10-11 and 11 with him. So they have a new GM, new front office pieces. But remember, Coach Snyder hasn't had great playoff runs. As the coach of the Jazz, he was 21-30. A couple years ago against Denver in the bubble, Utah was up three games to one. They spit that series out. Then against the Clippers, Kawhi got hurt. It was tied 2-2. And the Jazz lose the final two games to the Clippers without Kawhi. Then last year, they lose to the Mavs without Luka. One role player I'll really be monitoring, he's been playing well, Sadiq Bey, who's come over to Atlanta from Detroit since the trade, shooting 40% from three on five attempts per game. He had a couple more on the in the play-in game. Uh, three more. In 24 games, now 25 games, he's had 16 times where he's made at least two three-pointers. There might be a game or two in the series where I play Atlanta here. Because of the size, I'm really curious what that will look like and what the health of Robert Williams will look like because Atlanta does seem to have a few bigs they can throw at him. Let's go down to the three-seed 76ers and the six-seeded Nets. 76ers are a minus 1,000 favorite here, and they have the number three net rating. It's been an MVP-type season for Joel Embiid. For them, when the game slows down, can Harden hit some big shots? And a player like P.J. Tucker, who's only attempting 2.6 threes for 36 minutes, he will be left open. Will he shoot enough? He's still a good shooter. He shoots 39% from three. But he's only attempting... He's, he's averaging three field goals a game in 25 minutes, averaging 3.5 points per game. He's not a scorer, but in the playoffs when everything slows down, you're playing better teams, if you are playing one man down offensively, they will exploit that. P.J. Tucker is going to need to hit some shots. Even if he's shooting 33% on five or six attempts per game, that's better. Take six, make two. At least it'll be keeping the defense somewhat honest and it won't start messing with your head. He's still good enough to hit shots at a, at a, a clip that he needs for them. And they'll be playing the Nets, who are the six seed. And what's tough about this particular matchup is this is a different Nets team. They have a lot of solid role players, but this was a Nets team who the bulk of their work came with either Kyrie or Kevin Durant. And that's who we were expecting. They're plus 660 in this series. They're 13 and 15 since the trade deadline. They're the number 23 offense since the trade deadline. Now their three-point shooting has increased by a ton. They went from 37% from three. They were ranked 16th. Now they're all the way up to 43.7, which would put them fifth. They've been 9-1 when they've made 15 or more threes, 4-14 when they've made less than 15 threes with this group pretty simple for them they shoot well they'll win bridges 25 games he's averaging 27.4 points per game but who's gonna guard Embiid they tried switching on him in the previous game the Nets did he had 37 points on 12 of 18 shooting 
Bridges. Can he carry the Nets to a win or two? I think he can. I think they'll win a game or two in this series, but it just size-wise, it's, it's probably just going to be a little too much. We keep rolling along. Let's get over to the Western Conference. So we won't talk about the one-seeded Nuggets a whole lot because they're going to be playing. Uh, still, We still don't know who they're playing. It'll be the winner of that play-in game on Friday night. But uh, behind them, we have a 4-5 matchup. The winner of this will play the winner of the Nuggets and their opponent, the Clippers and the Suns. So you have the Suns, who are your favorite in here. They are a minus 500 favorite. Kevin Durant has only played 47 games this year. He's only played eight with Phoenix. Can he play 20 or 25 games in a row for them right now? In his eight games with Phoenix, he's been awesome. 26 points per game, 6.4 rebounds, three and a half assists, uh, 1.3 blocks. He's shooting 57% from the field, 53% from three on six. Um, and then he's also um, shooting six free throw attempts per game. 37 or 33 minutes. He even played 40 minutes on April the 6th. That's the last time he played, though, April 6th. So it'll be like 10 days for him. Now, strengths, weaknesses. They have not been good at defending without fouling. Since the All-Star break, they have the second worst free throw rate allowed. Booker and Ayton have fouled frequently. They're also bottom six in steals per game, so they're not creating a whole lot of turnovers and they're fouling a lot. A question I'll ask for them, do they have enough depth? Because they will need to stagger the, the big stars a little bit. Their benches, Terrence Ross, Shamit, Torrey Craig, Campaign has had some bash, back issues recently. So KD, Booker, CP3, can they all stay healthy? Heavy mid-range, this team. And they have the best assist-to-turnover ratio since the All-Star break. But they're only 27 in the points in the paint since the All-Star break. When they get in the paint, they shoot very well and at a high efficiency, but they don't get in there a whole lot. It's not really their game. Now you have the Clippers. Paul George, not likely to be playing in this series. And they are plus 385. They are the oldest team in the league. And it's sort of tough to use when the Clippers and Suns played each other this year. Because now these teams look a lot different. But since the All-Star break, the Clippers are third in three-point shooting percentage, 39%. Westbrook has been incredible shooting. In 21 games, he's scoring 15.8 points per game. He's shooting 49% from the field and 36% from three. He has never shot higher than 34% in any season from three. In the last two years for the Lakers, he shot 29% and 29%. He shot under 30% from three in four of his last six years. Kawhi is playing well right now. 27 points per game, 53% from the field since the All-Star break. Who's going to defend him? Okogie, Craig, or do they have Durant? I don't know if Durant wants that right now. One of their big issues, they've been turning the ball over a lot lately. They're bottom six in turnover rate since the All-Star break. Russ is averaging three and a half turnovers per game. And they're bottom five um, in, or bottom six in that turnover rate statistic. Now, the same thing we asked about Kawhi, who's going to guard Durant? Because now you have Morris out with back spasms. Is You don't have Paul George. Is it going to be Batum? Covington, those guys are solid defenders, but I don't think like one-on-one defense for KD might have to be Kawhi. And then if he's having to guard Durant, can he carry the load offensively? 
fascinating series between these two, the 4-5 matchup out west. How about the 3-6 matchup, the Kings and the Warriors? They are only 90 miles separated, and these two teams can light up the scoreboard. The Kings have the number one offensive rating. The Kings are the number three seed. They're a plus 225 underdog with home court advantage. They snapped a 16-season playoff drought. Fox was the best clutch player in the league this year, and Sabonis averaged 19 points over 12 rebounds, 7.3 assists, and shot 61% from the field. There's five players in this series that have made over 200 threes. Curry, Clay, Poole, Herter, and Murray. Now the Warriors are your minus 275 favorite. The question I ask, why were they so bad on the road this year? And keep in mind, they'll have to win every series on the road now. Unless they play the Lakers or the 8th seed in the conference finals, they'll basically be on the road every time. They were 11-30. and 30. Maybe it doesn't matter because they're so close. They don't even have to get on a plane for this whole series. They play at the number one pace in the league. They're coming off an NBA record 55 points in the first quarter on Sunday against a really undermanned Portland team. They should be getting Andrew Wiggins back now. What kind of shape will he be in? He's only played 37 games this year. He totally changes the complexion of this team. Wing defense, he can score, he can rebound. He's shooting almost 40% from three. But he hasn't played since February 13th. He's missed 25 straight games. Their projected starting lineup with him outscored their opponents by 21.9 points per 100 possessions. That was the best among 41 um, lineups that had the the sample of that, at least 200 minutes. They were number one offense and the number five defense among those 41 lineups. But that lineup hasn't played together since February 4th. And next year, this team's going to have a huge payroll. Those Wiggins and Poole extensions kick in. Clay is going to be making $43 million with an extension coming for him. The possibility of Draymond leaving. But right now, they have Peyton back to help the perimeter defense. Wiggins is back. Clay led the league and made three-pointers this year. He made 301 in 69 games. I think we're... The Warriors obviously are... are at their best, they're very good, but I think, and and the, the Kings' defense is, is worrisome. Everybody's just penciling in the Warriors here. The Kings are going to have a little fight in them, and I, I'll look to play them in a couple games in this series. Let's finish up with the 2-7 in the West, Memphis and the Lakers. Memphis is your minus 136 favorite, so not a heavy favorite in here. They're the number four net rating in the league, which is the best of the West teams. They're the number three defensive rating in the league. They are number one in points in the paint, 58.4. So 49.9% of their points come in the paint. Dylan Brooks already talking smack. He said he wanted LeBron. These two teams have... A little chippiness. There was all that weird stuff with Shannon Sharp earlier this year. Dylan Brooks has been very vocal when he defended LeBron well in a game. Bain and LeBron got into it last year. But Memphis is missing Adams and Brandon Clark. So that could hurt from their depth on their size. Kennard, he's shooting 53% in 24 games from three. 53% on threes in 24 games with Memphis. And Jackson has been scoring a little bit more lately. We know what he can do defensively. Can he stay out of foul trouble? Jackson scored 30 points in three of his last four games. Now the Lakers, plus 116. They played poor the other day. They were lucky to get in. They looked a little tired. Um, They somehow won after an awful foul by Anthony Davis. 
just at the buzzer. He fouled a three-point shooter. They did beat Memphis two or three times this year. The rosters have all been all different in those games. Some real keys for me in, in this series. How will the transition defense play out against Memphis? Lakers were bottom five in transition points per game allowed, but they do have better personnel now. They just got to get back because Memphis is second in transition points per game. Jaw and Bain are two of the top seven in transition points per game individually in this league. D'Angelo really struggled in that game. And last year against Memphis, he had six games, 33 minutes. He shot 33% from the field, 38% from three. He only averaged 12 points a game, 6.7 assists, 1.5 steals, two, uh, almost three turnovers. He had one game where he scored 22 the other five games, he was at 12 points or less. Dennis Schroeder saved the Lakers the other night. He hit that big three uh, in the corner. It looked like the game-winning three. And down the stretch, he was tough, making big plays. When LeBron was you know, making some bad decisions late and turning the ball over, Dennis steadied the ship. This could be more of a, a Rui-Troy Brown series, maybe some of the bigger wings. For Anthony Davis, he shot 50% or better in five of his last six games against Memphis. He had 30 points, 22 rebounds in a game against them this year. His last 31 games, 24.7 points, 53% from the field, 7.8 free throw attempts per uh, game at 75%, almost 13 rebounds, 2.6 assists, and two blocks. His career in the playoffs, he's right behind Donovan Mitchell. He's 8th all-time in playoff points per game average. Michael Jordan, Luka, Allen Iverson, Kevin Durant, Jerry West, LeBron, Donovan Mitchell, then Anthony Davis. He's ahead of Elgin Baylor, Giannis, Steph, Jokic, Hakeem, Kobe, Dirk, Kareem, Shaq, Embiid. All score less in the playoffs than Anthony Davis. D'Angelo, Beasley, Vanderbilt, the former Wolves, they all struggled a little bit. Really remarkable what this team did. They were 2-10, and a bunch of changes, had some injuries, had a bad stretch late in the year where they lost three of four, bad losses to Oklahoma City, Houston, then Dallas at the buzzer, looked like their spirit was gone. They finished the last 11 games 9-2, and 16-7 since the All-Star break. That was the second best record in the league during that stretch. 13 of those games were without LeBron and nine of them were without D'Angelo. And they were a top five defensive team since the All-Star break. A lot of that was because Austin Reeves, his last 18 games, 32 plus minutes, averaging 18.7 points per game on 9.8 field goal attempts. Talk about efficiency. He's shooting seven free throw attempts per game, 85%. He's shooting 43% from three on on 3.6 attempts, 5.8 rebounds and three and a half, or 5.8 assists and three and a half rebounds. Couple other notes for the uh, the Lakers, Vanderbilt. Got to find a little more offense from him. And Beasley has struggled in the last 12 games since taking out of the starting lineup. 33% from three. He's had two or three really good games. Lots of missed big shots and, you know, making shots in some garbage time. But the final five games for Beasley, he's shooting 37% from three on 6.3 attempts per game in only 20 minutes. I think it's because you have D'Lo, LeBron, Reeves, Schroeder all out there. A little bit more spacing and guys that can get him the ball so he doesn't have to just do it in his hand, with the ball in his hands. LeBron, we got to see a little bit of everything LeBron on on Tuesday. Good LeBron, bad LeBron. 
His eight regular season games since his return, the Lakers went 6-2. and two. He averaged 25.3 points per game. He shot 49% from the field, 40% from three. And in his last four games, he made 3-4-3 three, three, and eight threes. Seven and a half rebounds, 6.1 assists, like just solid LeBron numbers. Does he still have that extra level to go to like he used to come playoff time? They signed Shaq Harrison and Tristan Thompson as a couple uh, additional players to help. Shaq Harrison could give them some perimeter defense. Tristan Thompson gives them another big body uh, and another backup center to throw at, uh, at bigger bodies. So it's everything happening right now in the NBA as we lead into the playoffs this weekend. Saturday, there will be four playoff games. Sunday, there will be four more playoff games, and then they'll start to alternate and rotate. But for the next few weeks, we'll have at least a couple NBA basketball playoff games each and every day. Let's make that move from NBA playoffs on into horse racing. Before we do, don't forget about Sarah Candles, C-E-R-A, candles.com. Those all-natural soy wax candles, no toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants. Use the promo code G-I-N-O. It'll get you 10% off your purchase. SarahCandles.com, C-E-R-A, candles.com. So you want to set the mood something all natural soy wax non-toxic baby since for every season now don't be afraid baby just spell it out C-E-R-A-N-O-S.com. and don't forget promo code Gino gets you 10% off mm-hmm. <laughs> racing fans many of us have been using the drf the daily racing form for years studying the races keeping up to date on news with all the articles i remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever i was going now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use drf with drf.com and the newly optimized drf mobile you can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. 
every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com. Better. You want to spread your pony knowledge by. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Daily fantasy style horse racing contest. It's something that all of you out there that are playing the races, if you're not looking at Stable Duel, you have to take a look. It's a great way to get some action to play along. And it makes you a little bit of a better handicapper because you're forced to not just pick the favorite in every single race. Come join us every Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern time for our weekend preview show. It's called This Weekend in Stable Duel with myself, Matt DeSantis, and Barry Spears. And on that show, we only give out horses that are 5 to 1 and up. It's called the No Chalk Zone. And uh, unlike any other shows in that, we don't even allow horses that are 5 to 2, eight to five shots, anything like that. We're only talking about really big prices that are going to help you and get you all set up for the Stable Duel Weekend Contest. So that's Friday. But right now, let's talk about some Friday racing from Keeneland. I recorded this a little earlier, so if you want to go to social media, you can actually see me look at the past performances while I talk through it here. It's a dive into the Keeneland Friday card. Take a look. Let's dive on into Keeneland for Friday. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here, folks, as we take a look at the daily racing form past performances for Friday, April the 14th over at Keeneland. I'll roll through the card and just pick out a few races where I have some uh, some opinions on some price horses that might be worth your inclusion. So like always, I'll recommend daily racing form drf.com for the past performances. That's the place that I go whenever I'm researching the races, whenever I'm handicapping, whenever I'm doing all my prep work, drf.com. And I like the formulator style past performances because they make it very easy for you to click on a chart, click on a race replay to find trainer statistics, pedigree information, um, anything you need right at your fingertips within a click or two. Let's get to Friday. Let's get right into race number one and let's take a look at Sweet Cherry Pie, the number two in here. This horse is eight to one on the morning line. Now, looking at Sweet Cherry Pie, that debut race has come back live. So we can take a look at the chart right off the bat and see that the March 4th race was won by a horse named Scotland, who is a Bill Mott first time starter. So, debut winner, runner up in that race was a horse named Let It Ride. They came right back to win their next start in a maiden special eight over at Aqueduct. 
So we've already seen one horse come back to win next out. And the only, and the, the winner of this race that hasn't been defeated yet and won first time out of the box. So sweet cherry pie exits a strong race at Gulfstream park. And if you going to dive into the race, we can take a look at sweet cherry pie. Who's the number six in here. And you'll see just not a, a really great start, just a little bit slow out of the gates, kind of a little unprepared. And now first time out of the box, you get squeezed out of a spot and sweet cherry pie is last early. Now is able to recover in between horses and moves up pretty nicely. And so I like the fact that this horse seems to have some natural speed, but that slow start right off the bat, don't be shocked to see sweet cherry pie and with the blinkers on showing even more speed in here, drawn down towards the inside. But um, not a bad effort and was sitting pretty close. Two path about two lengths off, then able to get down to the, the rail and was up to second in the early stretch here before tiring and fading. You see the six move down to the inside all the way up into the, the second spot. And I thought this was a fine effort from this horse first time out. Um, you'll see the six like moves up around into striking range in just wasn't quite as good as those top two. And we, you know, we looked at those top two. They might be a nice two. Uh, this horse does fade and finish fourth. But remember, this was going seven furlongs, and this was just the career debut. I, I thought that was a good effort from Sweet Cherry Pie. Uh, I'm expecting more from this one. Second time out now for trainer um, Rusty Arnold, who's awesome with second time out horses. So if you take a look how this barn does with horses making their second start, just like a very simple Stat, second career starters. Look at the last five years. 24 for 136, 18%, and a $3.24 ROI. Really positive with horses that make their second start. This is a barn that doesn't crank them quite as much first time out, so they can take a lot out of their debut race, and you're adding the blinkers. So you just check a lot of boxes with this horse. Showed a little bit more speed than it might look on paper. Now adds the blinkers. The race has come back live, and this barn is very good second out. Lots of little things. The price is also right. I'd say anything at five to one and above. We give a look to the number two, Sweet Cherry Pie, in race number one. Moving a little later on in the card, let's flip to the fifth race. A couple horses I wanted to mention in here uh, in this fifth race. Now, the one Miss Astor is very, very talented. I think this is a nice filly. She's moving in the right direction. She's shown really nice improvement in each of her starts, and I think she'll save ground really well. So if you're playing any type of exotics, throw Mrs. Astor in. She makes sense. I do think it's going to be a better spot for the number 10, Malimu, who I've played the last two times after she had a little trouble on December the 10th. And she maybe just was facing slightly too tough but both of those races came back live. When I say live, I mean the horses following that have come back in their next race and run well. Papilio just won the Appalachian, and who was right behind Papilio? Cairo Consort. And they, so they were second and third, and they came right back and ran first and second in a graded stakes race, and they were right on the wire again next to each other. So this is class relief for Malimu, no doubt about it. The horse is a, a price who I think is kind of fun is the number nine, Clever Joke. Now, if you look at Clever Joke's debut at Saratoga, the winner of that race was a nice one. And in that debut race, there were three next out winners. The winner came back and was third in the grade one Alcibiades. It was only eight to one in that race. And then was only like less than seven to one in the Breeders' Cup, Juvenile Phillies Turf. 
three other winners in that race. Then in career start number two, we had Clever Joke run into a horse named Mission of Joy. And there were also three next out winners in that December 3rd race. Clever Joke was one of them. Mission of Joy has now won three races in a row and just won the grade three Florida Oaks. So look at the races that Clever Joke comes out of in the first two. Had legitimate trouble, was away slowly. Then off a couple month break, first start at three. First start for a new barn, gets Lasix for the first time, and was sitting inside just behind leaders, Got kind of got shifted, shifted around and shuffled back about three lengths, was behind really slow fractions, had nowhere to go, and just tipped out and exploded. This horse is intriguing to me, the number nine, clever joke. I'm going to throw in exotic, so I'll use the the, uh, the nine with one and ten in here, see if we can get some uh, some – Big prices underneath at least, but I'm going to use the nine all over the place. A clever joke. So that's a look at race number five. Let's flip to race number seven. A couple more horses that I'll look at on this Friday Keeneland card, April the 14th. Hope all of you have a, a very nice Friday. So it's the gray or it's a $250,000 stakes race. It's the limestone, the FanDuel limestone, five and a half on the turf. It just looks like there's tons of speed in here. Sassy nature, really quick. Got to go. Imagine that my sweet affair will be close. You see accomplished girl wants to go very, very fast. Last time out stone silent, really, really quick. You continue on. You see horses like American apple who probably want to be pretty close in here. You have twirled who also wants to be close. And then on the outside, more speed. So there looks like there should be a really, really good amount of speed in here. I think it sets up very well for the number six, just a care. So just a cares debut was back in June of 2022 and then was off for a long time. So it's really tough to use the debut as a gauge because some then probably happened that day for this filly to have been off for that much time. But she shows back up in February, first start at three. She wins nicely, sits off the pace. Then they step up and try stakes company. And she just runs behind a horse who gets the jump on her, who's able to sit a more tactical trip. I think in this race, you may want the horses that are going to be coming from more out of it. So I feel like just the care, third start off the bench. Again, we're going to Arnold. How about that? Hoping for a big day for Arnold. Just the care. Eight to one on the morning line. I thought about six to one or so is uh, is fair on just the care. Now you have the ninth race, which is the grade one maker's mark. And there will be a big time favorite in here that will be Worst that we've seen in the Breeders' Cup back-to-back years, modern games, three to five on the morning line, no doubt the horse to beat. I do think if you are trying to beat this horse or if you're looking around in this race, the wild card to me is the five, Dr. Zempf. This could be a very, very nice horse too. He was a legitimate group stakes horse in Ireland before coming over to the U.S. And now we'll be making their second start for Chad Brown. The U.S. debut was excellent. It was really good. It was visually impressive. It was a step slow, but he just sort of moved up to fifth inside. It was three off. He just tipped to the two path, three wide and around. I mean, they just sort of sh- uh, shook up the reins a little bit and then geared this horse down late. It was really nice upside for this one as a group stakes winner, seeing if they can get a, a big grade one win here in the second start now in North America. So Dr. Zemp for me would be the wild card there. One more to look at on the Friday card at Keeneland in race number 10. 
The number one, Mr. McGregor. So debuts at Saratoga back in August. And then following that race is off from August to March. So I'm not really using the debut and, and being too hard on him for that. I actually did like the return race on March the 18th. Now he was defeated by 13 lengths, but he had a good start. He settled second, about two or three lengths off. He made an early move up to contend. And, you know, he was trying to get to the front end and he just tired. They had, a, they went quick to that half mile there really quick. And that was his first start since August. And that was his first start as a three-year-old. Now he goes second start off the bench. He has a nice inside uh, draw. So I, I mean, I could see him on the lead, but I, I would prefer if he was sitting like third in here, looks like there might be one or two others with some speed. So Mr. McGregor could like could offer you some nice value in here. The number one, Mr. McGregor, 15 to one on the morning line. So some plays for you at Keeneland on Friday. Best of luck in all of your wagers there. Remember to come give us a follow on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Make sure to head to DRF for all of the past performances you need and any help handicapping the races. And that's what G said podcast will always have uh, all this information um, in just the full audio form on the podcast. So make sure to download that podcast anywhere you get your podcast and subscribe to uh, that's what G said. Thanks so much. Good luck this weekend. There's a look at Keeneland for Friday. Best of luck. We can just keep this party right on a roll and over to Saturday. Let's talk some Oaklawn. Now, it is the grade one apple blossom. I just didn't think that was really a, a playable race for me. But I did find two other horses on the card to discuss. So a couple best bets for Oaklawn Saturday. Again, if you want to follow along using the past performances, you can take a look over on social media. If you follow me on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. If you subscribe to my YouTube channel, all of these videos will pop up so you can actually see some of the uh, the handicapping and we can look at the past performances. Good luck. Let's talk some Oaklawn for Saturday. It's a big Saturday over at Oaklawn Park. It is the Apple Blossom. Unfortunately, it's not a big field this year. We have two real, real quality uh, animals in there. A uh, nice filly and a nice mare and another up-and-coming filly, but it's just a field of four. Let's dive into the past performances real quick and take a look. I have a few plays at Oaklawn for Saturday, but if we want to look at the Apple Blossom, it really won't take us long to do. Unfortunately, um, not a race that I will be wagering on a whole heck of a lot. It'll just be hard to find any sort of value in here. You have Secret Oath making her second start back at four. She defeated Clarier in both of their first start of the year. And Clarier is obviously a, a major player, but she's just she's a little slower early than Secret Oath. So in these smaller fields, it's, it's tough for her. I feel the need is in pretty tough spot here. And then you have hot and sultry who probably has the tactical advantage on the group. I mean, if you're betting this race, that would probably be the direction I'd lean. I just don't know if she's in the class of either uh, the other two in here. So kind of bummer to see uh, such a small field for this race. You do have two uh, very, very quality uh, fillies and mares that are towards the top of the division, but not a race that we can really spend a whole lot of time on from a gambling standpoint. But there are two other races on the card on Saturday. I thought we could uh, we could take a look at and maybe find uh, an intriguing horse that might be uh, offering us a little bit of value. Let's start in the Count Fleet, the Grade Three Count Fleet. Some nice sprinters in here. Some sharp horses. You see Skelly, who has won back-to-back races in really nice form, but is fast. As is the one, edge to edge, very fast. The three, Pirate Rick, 
he has just one way to go. He does not like sitting off the pace at all. Candyman Rocket, he wouldn't shock me in this race. I'm a little bit worried that he gets caught up here too, though. He wants to be very close. He can sit. It's not as if he's one-dimensional, but he will be forwardly placed in here. The 5 to Hano twist comes off of a big effort last time where he came from way out of it. Uh, I think he, just coming off the big figure from a value standpoint, I'm I'm looking elsewhere and I'm trying to play against. Radical right to me feels kind of a couple low. And then we get to surveillance. And I think this horse should get a really nice trip in here. Surveillance rattled off three wins in a row before trying the turf last time out. And we can see he's just a better horse on the dirt overall. He's been fine on the turf, but getting back to the dirt and the way this race shapes up, he's not a stone cold closer. He doesn't need to be way, way out of it. He can sit fourth, fifth, mid pack in here and get the jump on maybe any of the deeper closers. And with horses like Strobe on the outside and Cogburn in there, I think they should really be cooking early on. And just because that last race, was on the grass and he ran fourth and his figure wasn't quite as high as, you know, his prior three dirt races that were all wins. He's probably six to one in here instead of like seven to two or four to one. And I think he probably should be around, you know, a, like a five to one is shot in here. So this, this feels right. If he gets hammered then you don't want to play him, but he feels like he should be right in this five or six to one range. And um, let's see if we can get surveillance home, sit in the trip. One more at Oaklawn that I'm looking at in that is in race number 12. It is a six furlong sprint and I'm looking at the number seven in here. So this is Aloha baby who is five to one. This is an Arkansas bred maiden special weight race for Phillies and mares. These are three-year-olds and up and six furlongs is the distance. So if you look at Aloha baby, we can pull up her race. In her debut race, she got action in that debut. She was only five to two. So she got bet. She was the number 11 in the race that we are going to watch right now. So career debut, and she's drawn all the way to the outside. Not an easy place to be first time out. And the, the start is like, okay. But, you know, she ends up getting parked wide. And it's one of those things where if you're way out there and you don't start like a rocket and get over, then you're in trouble. And unfortunately she has to sit three, four deep throughout. I like the, the little move that she makes all the way up to challenge. So watch the middle move. Now look at the 11 who's four deep all the way out in the middle moves right up into contention before just getting a little tired because that wide trip is going to catch up with you. Even right here now in the three path, right up into contention, but the two horses in front, have gotten the jump. They continue on. I like when you see a horse that can run in spots like we did there with Aloha Baby. Now, Arietta jumps aboard, and I feel like there's going to be a, a, some nice improvement with this one second time out. So we'll give a look to Aloha Baby. The number seven, five to one on the morning line. I had this one stacked about seven to two or so. So if you can get anything three to one plus, that feels like fair value on Aloha Baby. Just a couple plays over at Oaklawn Park on Saturday for all of your wagering needs and for all of your research, head to drf.com daily racing form. That's what I'm always using when I'm handicapping the races. Good luck.
Before we move into Keeneland Saturday, let's talk a little bit about Cindy Carava, one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast. Now, she's a full-service realtor, so that means she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you're looking for home improvement, gardeners, landscapers, all sorts of great folks that she has experience working with. Now, maybe you need help with the the home loan process. She'll connect you to the right type of lender that will help expedite that process and just make your life easier. That's all she wants to do. She wants to help you. She'll let you know um, how the market is doing and give you a free market analysis of your home's value. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. Let's move on to Saturday. Talk a little Keeneland Saturday. We'll uh, dive into races three, five, seven, eight, nine. Those are the uh, the races I thought were worth mentioning. So let's start at Keeneland on Saturday in race number three, and I'm going to look towards the outside with the number twelve, Eyes on Target in here. Now Eyes on Target most recently got squeezed back just after the start, and that was on March the fourth, and. Eyes on target was last of 12, was about seven lengths off that day, ran into a very sharp horse named Up to the Mark, who we're actually going to see facing Graded Stakes Company on Friday. So ran in a really tough race. That was the first start off the bench in a couple months and after a poor beginning. But if you look at the form prior to that, this is a horse that was favored over Portfolio Company and had put together a string of really good races as three or four with some legitimate traffic trouble, um, the December the 4th race, right before that, the October 21st race at Keeneland, legitimate trouble that day, another one back in August at Saratoga where just didn't get a chance, I think eyes on target should offer you nice value in here at 8-1, to one. so that's a look at race number 3, let's dive into race number 5, so the 5th race is the number 4 Emperor's Appeal for me, Emperor's Appeal Two starts back was behind Tappet Trice on the dirt and Shesterkin. That was a, a strong race at Gulfstream Park. And in his first start on the turf, Emperor's Appeal was very good. He finished third in a field of 12 in a first level allowance race. That was a strong race. That was won by Far Bridge, who's been one of the most impressive three year olds. So uh, I'm going to give Emperor's Appeal uh, a little look. That day, Far Bridge earned a really big speed figure so emperor's appeal nine to two on the morning line the play for me in race number five moving along to race number seven looking at the four in here principe dioro six to one on the morning line this guy will be happy to put two starts together in his debut race back in early 2022 he was on the turf and then when he showed back up a few months later on the dirt was an impressive winner the problem is after that race in april He was gone from April to February of 2023. So his last start, he was close up. He was in between. He pushed through to the lead. The winner just sat right to his outside. So I I feel like Principe de Oro will get a lot out of that, gain a lot of fitness there. Six to one on the morning line, anything four to one plus feels very fair. The eighth race, it's the Giants Causeway right next door. About the number 11, Little Jewel. This is the horse who's bred beautifully towards eight to one on the morning line now if if she gets bet and she is less than six i don't think she's playable but this this mare has some ability she's a five-year-old mare she's only raced four times she's obviously had a a ton of issues between her you know two and a half year break but since showing back up she has been good and her 
last win visually was extremely impressive. The number 11, a little jewel. If she's 5-1+, to one plus, that's fair. If she gets hammered, just watch. Let's move to the ninth race in the Lexington. I like the three demolition Duke in here. So if you're using a horse named Bishop's Bay as a measuring stick, Demolition Duke was right behind Bishop's Bay, as was First Mission. Yet First Mission is going to likely be a much shorter price. Demolition Duke debuted, won, and then in his second start, lost to the 2-5 favorite in a race where Demolition Duke got floated out four wide into the first turn in a small field behind slow fractions. The 2-5 winner sat second. And Demolition Duke tipped out and almost ran him down. If he's 5-1+, to one plus, we're going to look at the number 3, Demolition Duke. So that's a look at some Keeneland plays for Saturday. Best of luck at Keeneland on Friday, on Saturday, and at Oaklawn Park. That's where I'll be playing this weekend. Let's finish up with this week in wrestling. Chad Cooper joins us to talk about everything going on. In the world of wrestling, we dive into AEW, then WWE, SmackDown, Raw, and NXT. It's time to talk wrestling with Koopa Loop. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only... Oh, it's that time again. It is time to talk about everything going on in the world of wrestling with Chad Cooper. And we've been very WWE WrestleMania focused over the last few weeks. So this week we'll start with AEW up top. Koopaloop, my man, how we doing as we uh, head into this week, middle of April right now. We're getting into the NBA playoffs. Baseball's in full swing. Hockey playoffs rolling along. How's life on your end? Life is good. You know, you don't realize how big WrestleMania is until you do a, like a month of coverage for it, right? Right. You, you do two or three shows to, to preview it, then it takes two or three shows to review it and you just it's it's so big the conglomerate is so big and uh, while fun and very interesting and exciting uh aew has been able to motor around and keep going and some interesting things happen there but uh, my what a what a what a weekend wrestlemania was and it seems like it was already a month ago well, we'll talk about WWE with Raw, SmackDown, and some NXT. But first up, let's start over on the AEW side. We kicked off this week's Dynamite. And just a, a side note, the next couple weeks are when things get a little bit wonky for AEW wonky. because of the NBA playoffs on TNT. So their their schedule gets moved around a little bit Um it's a little different than normal. So that is one thing that's a little difficult for them, too. It feels like you get a little momentum, you get a little consistency, and then you have to move uh, a couple shows. I actually thought this felt like a different episode of AEW Dynamite in that I don't think we had a very good main event in ring. We'll talk about it. We had some matches throughout the night in ring that were good. I thought there were a couple pretty solid promos that were just a little bit different, so maybe a different style. Uh, We kicked things off with Darby Allin versus Swerve, and you can just get the sense this was a big Darby Allin show, Chad. And I thought he did... 
I thought he did pretty well because we don't really hear from Darby Allen at all. And Darby is someone that you and I have of the younger guys have been pretty high on because he's just unique. He's different. He has a different look, a different vibe to him. And they they have done very well when he was the TNT champ, when he main evented a lot of their shows. Darby gets a win over Swerve. Both of these guys were sort of pretty big, uh, pretty big acts and pretty big parts of Wednesday Night Dynamite. Darby gets the win. Good match. These two have a big history together and a long history, so you would expect them to have a very good match together. Darby wins after the match. MJF comes out, and MJF cuts a promo. He actually gives Darby a little bit of credit. They also have a history together. Um, They know each other well. They're younger wrestlers that sort of came into this company without really a lot of national notoriety, and MJF you know, talks a little bit, but then Darby gets the mic. And I will say, I don't know if people like this promo or not. This was the most memorable promo from Darby Allen that I can think of. Like, I yeah. can't think of anything even remotely close to this. Like this was very good. He talked about how <clears throat> he sort of like, it was like he psychoanalyzed uh, MJF here. You know, he, he said, you know, are you happy? You know, you said when you got on national TV, you would be happy. He said, I I got on TV and I wasn't happy right away. I had to go to therapy. I wanted to make sure that when this all ended, I was ready. I was mentally good. I bought my parents a house and I helped my dad retire and we're on a short ride. Um, It was like very like philosophical from Darby Allen. It was it was strange. I feel like of the build in the buildup for. What I'm assuming is going to be the main event match for their next pay-per-view, Chad. I'm thinking it's going to be a four-way. Is that what you would imagine with these guys? First and foremost, as I sound, AC is starting to rub off on me. And I don't know if that's good or bad, Gino. Here we go. Let's hear it. (laughs) I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, Isn't this what we've been wanting from some of these AEW rosters? Uh, roster workers to start. We know these guys can pretty much go in the ring with anyone. These type of promos right here are going to be the ones that make and break AEW superstars. Or Absolutely. Going forward. I, I don't mean to say superstars. That's a WWE. To make them a superstar-esque. You couldn't ask for or a better promo from Darby. Nope. I mean, hey, look, this is what we've been wanting I feel like I know more about girls. him right now than in the last I ever three, have. half years put together. Yeah, we know the guy can work. We we know his, his situation, but just a few things there, it, it, that is the build that we have been begging for. And we, have, we, we haven't even gotten anywhere close to being consistent with it. You know, Darby would be the hot guy. But he'd be the hot guy for two or three weeks going through two or three main eventing matches, as you just said. But we're really not getting anything from him. It's just him and Steam. And then what? Lo and behold. There would never be any feud. No. And and that's the problem. It's you can have great match, great match, great match. But if you don't ever have any of these personal issues with someone, it doesn't take you to the next level. No, and it doesn't work out. And then lo and behold, what happens? 
here comes Sting, and Sting gives a good promo. He mentions Cody Rhodes. He mentions this. He mentions that. And I you know what? It was wasn't. It wasn't well a Cody. It wasn't mentioning Cody to take a shot at WWE. No, no, not, no. And I would be the first to say that it was. No, it was, it was to take a shot at MJF, which was yes, great. It, it he was defended. Yep, it, and it wasn't like. Oh, he just lost the main event, your guy. They didn't say anything like that either, right? It wasn't like a shot. It was Sting was doing it to prod and to poke MJF. And you know what? I don't, I never would have said this before, but I think because they've done, they've done a good job in that they, when, when Sting came in, we were worried. It was like, uh oh, are we going to have oh, yeah. Sting against Kenny Omega in these matches? And that's not going to work. And, and they, and to give them a lot of credit, I don't know if they've gotten all they wanted out of Sting, but they sure haven't overdone it with him. No, no. Right? They didn't put him in spots to get hurt. They didn't ask him to go have 25-minute matches. So I think that they had a plan and they stuck to it. But if I will say, if you were ever going to put him in like a last chance to win the title match in against someone that could work, it would be someone like MJF. The moment Sting mentioned that, I was like, damn, that could be a good, just like a TV main event one week. Well, it was very intriguing, and it's been a while since I've been intrigued by the the, the world title for AEW. Me too. And look, for all the people that, that say we crap on AEW, I'm telling you right now, that was well done. Me too. I thought well the done. great it was a great opening of the show. It made me care a lot more about Darby. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm thinking in my head, damn. Could they do something where they either have Sting versus MJF for the title and then or you do something where it's not for the title and you could even maybe have Sting beat him? Sure. Like, you know, in like a in an unsanctioned match, something like that. Who knows? But all of a sudden, I never would have wanted to see Sting in the ring. And I think it may have had something to do with I don't want to see Sting trying to keep up with Omega and the Bucks. No, 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 no. But a heel character like an MJF who could just be ducking out of the ring in and out. He wouldn't be trying to go five star and that, that you could actually get 15 minutes out of him and sting in like a TV main event. And I cared a little bit about it with sting coming out. I, and and I promise you, you would, if, if that's announced and it's not a squirrely match, that's announced sting versus MJF. And, and it's, and it's properly promoted. You would get a million viewers. I completely agree. That would be the type of thing that that you could absolutely get a huge rating for. So now on the flip side of this, as we go forward, again, I'm just the factions. There's just too many people with too I many know. people, and, and, that, and we'll get to that. And that's that's what bugs me about AEW. So good start. Very I will good say, start of <clears throat> the four that they've been building up. Now it's what what worried me about the pillars is that they're all super talented. But in the last year and a half, it, it seems like MJF has taken leaps and strides, and the other three have all been in the same spot. 100% agree. Left behind, for sure. But this promo, to me now, the way that I'm looking at the build of this match, it seems like MJF, he's still a level above the other three. Now, Darby, to me, has separated himself as, like, the number two of the four of these guys. I need to see Jungle Boy. I need to see Jack Perry. I need to see Sammy raise their game now in the next few weeks to feel like they belong here. Otherwise, (laughs) I could see 
one of those guys getting pinned, and I could see them setting up a singles after, which is Darby and MJF. Yes. Because he feels uh, yes. like – and that was that's how you could maybe, after that match, to keep it going, that's when you could do a Sting match maybe in between on TV after, and that keeps that feud going for another little while. So, again, very good stuff from uh, from AEW to start. We just got a squash. We don't really see a lot of squashes on AEW. Mm-hmm. They do that on the on the Monday and Tuesday night shows, like a lot of their YouTube shows when they want to have squashes. But they had Powerhouse Hobbs here uh, beat Silas Young. And this was mainly just to get Wardlow to destroy Hobbs's car, right? Just to see <laughs> Wardlow look like a badass. I, okay, the good good thing, Wardlow's back. The bad thing is, I, I, did I we just, book ourselves into a corner again? They have this I match so. next week. Yeah, I think so. So who's right, winning so, next so week? He has to win because I don't like the stuff they're doing with QT. I mean, I just I don't think that that stuff is anything great. But Hobbs looked like a badass. I thought his look when he walked to the ring and just coming in the ring, and the fact that they had him squash someone, like wow, okay, Hobbs, and then. You know, next week you're going to have Wardlow against Hobbs, who loses that match because neither one of these guys should be losing right now. No, it could be could be Schmozzy. I know, be and then and then if you do that, Wardlow's not going to gain any momentum that you want from him. And if you just have Wardlow go over Hobbs next week clean, well, what the hell are you doing with Hobbs now again? Yeah, Hobbs Hobbs would be done. Um, so you may have to sacrifice one, and I think Hobbs would be the sacrificial of the two. Just, Unfortunately, book, well, and it, because when MJF has the title in the in the back of your head, you're still thinking that man. I still think that's the way to go. Like Wardlow could get there because they have yes. a story, and Wardlow beat him clean. But Wardlow just doesn't feel like he's at that. He level. doesn't feel no. And would he feel hot winning the CNT title back? Did it feel hot to you last night? His return presence. What'd you get out of it? It well, it was better than I would have. It was okay on TV. It, okay. it didn't. It wasn't great. It wasn't awful. It was fine. I'm just like I'm not like we're as we talk about this. I don't really care either way, and that's not good, right? I'm not. If, that's what if I'm Wardlow getting, yeah. wins or loses, I'm not going to be. Oh, okay. Wardlow's in trouble now, and that's that's worrisome because man, when they were a few months ago, he's coming to the ring with the security handcuffed, you know, and they're oh man. That was awesome. And the night that the whole CM Punk press conference went down, he squashed MJF. (laughs) (laughs) Like that night. And then nobody ever talked about it, right? Because, oh, oh, no, no, no. Wait, wait, that was before, right? Because that was the night MJF came back, I think. that, And that's what MJF was mad about because that was his return. And nobody was talking about his return. He squashed him even, even before that. So, it's been such a long time for Wardlow after beating MJF, and you've not been able to capitalize on that. Now, I got to say, two weeks in, a lot of time, they can do a lot of things. Jay White just feels like another dude on the card. He does not feel like a big deal at all. They didn't have no. anything ready and planned no. for him. They didn't have a big moment for him. You bring a guy over that people were talking about and buzzing about, and this guy might go right into a feud with Roman Reigns. He's going to come and be in it with MJF or this or that. And he's just in the middle of the card with Juice Robinson doing Bullet Club stuff. 
and, and look, you know where I stand with Bullet Club stuff. It you you talk about something that beating a dead horse. Ten I, years, it may, it's hey, over look, and over. Maybe that may still sell, sell T-shirts in New Japan, but it does no longer do anything because it's so watered down. I just don't get it. This was a wasted, wasted. We you know, and this would this was part of my notes for last week. If we were going to get into AEW last week with the big signing here and a chance for AEW Dynamite last week to take a lot of momentum from last Monday night's Raw, not this past week, Monday, when it was quote unquote, Vince shook it up and they did this and they did that opportunity miss. And I thought another big opportunity miss this week with Jay White. Yeah. Uh, I'm nothing against juice. Me- I, I just don't think it does anything for anyone. Again, the build for these guys is. We're new Japan guys. Right. That's the build. They haven't done That's anything You're on right. AEW TV to let us know. They just expect that we're going to know their whole story and be really, really excited. And I, I, I feel like Ricky Starks has cooled off a little bit, too. And it looks like All That's the direction guys. they're going with him. But where Starks was when he was involved with MJF, where Starks was even in the Jericho stuff at the beginning to right now, doesn't doesn't quite feel as as hot. We got a really good match though after this. Orange Cassidy, Buddy Matthews, great match, uh, great in ring. You know, Orange Cassidy keeps delivering in ring. So uh, really nice stuff from them. There were this was one of a couple good good uh, work, a really well worked match there. And uh, Orange Cassidy keeps winning that title. We had a video from Christian Cage and Luchasaurus in one of the write ups I was uh, looking at. It said. Christian Cage and the Demon King. I mean, Luchasaurus. <laughs> <laughs> so he's definitely got these Kane vibes as you uh, as you see him sort of getting repackaged a little bit. You like his new outfit? You like his new gear? It. They're tr- they're noticeably trying to tell you this guy's a heel, right? <laughs> like right. this is a bad guy versus when he was the dinosaur before he was kind of a goofy, lovable yeah, character. Yeah. So I think they're. Just they're really making it stick in your mind. One thing that sticks in my mind is how awful this stuff with the firm and the contracts and the fine print. Yeah. Like you have Ethan Page, who's really good. You've got (sighs) some of the other players in here who are fine. Lee Moriarty. I mean, Matt Hardy has notoriety, but anything Hardy's done in AEW just hasn't really been good. I mean, I just, none of, like, anything that tries to become a storyline and angle is way too convoluted, and unfortunately, he's not, he can't really go in the ring as much anymore, and we got a Jeff Hardy return, great, like, really cool to see Jeff, I've been a big fan of Jeff forever, but you can't talk about Jeff without having the conversation that we always have, is he doing well right now? Right. Is he mentally okay? Um, will he be able to deal with some of the the pressures of being on live TV and and being, you know, on the road here and there, and then also, you know, being able to stay clean? Jeff Hardy can always get you a pop. He could probably help if you're trying to go to Wembley, right? I think that's that's what I'm playing out in my head. You trying to sell some sure. tickets in Wembley? You put the Hardy the Hardys together against FTR, FTR. Yeah. right? Or a team Who like that. Show, by the way. Who wasn't on the show, by the way. After their huge moment last week. <laughs> and then nothing. Like nothing from them. But I think that we get a word from them on Friday on Rampage. I do think that. So what do you think about Jeff Hardy 
Man. Like, in, in 2023 right now. I'm going to on... be honest. I, I'm just, look, you know, I, look, I, I don't have any other reason but to be. Hardys were a big part of my wrestling fan days. I'm a massive wrestling fan now. Love Matt Hardy. I thought the delete stuff when he went to Impact was some of the most brilliant stuff that he's ever done, Matt Hardy's ever done in his career. I thought Jeff has always been the more talented, in-ring, acrobatic one, though the more laid back. The problem I have with now is I know everyone has their demons. Uh, we all do. Um, and the, the, the problem I have with now is, is there, and this is my question, not only to you, Gino, as a, as a host of this weekly podcast, but to wrestling fans and those who listen, is there a place for Jeff Hardy in 2023 wrestling week in, week out? I don't know. I don't know. Is this, do we need to see Jeff Hardy in this position, are we setting ourselves up for yet another disappointment? I hate to ask that, but that's what we've done over the last several times. They've been disappointed. We know why WWE let him go. He came to uh, AEW. There's been issues. Is this the, do you want to see Jeff Hardy at, at his age in 2023 work in wrestling? Does Is wrestling it- need Jeff Hardy? I don't know. I can't answer that. I don't know. I don't know, Gino. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because. The novelty is definitely there. It, it's cool. It's it's very cool. And I think there's still. But there's when still you put something him in a in, match against somebody like. Put Matt. Him and Matt Hardy against FTR would probably probably be okay. But, the, but you, you see, start getting it. Can you put him against the Bucks? Or Private Party. Or the Street Profits. You see where I'm going? Yeah. I just don't know and, and look again the hardy boys have been there for day one for me i you know uh here's kudos to uh well, in the last I, three i, I times, have the wrestling figures I, I just i don't know man i don't the I don't last know. three times jeff had his returns in wwe each time you could see jeff getting noticeably older sure. right we're not it's not sure. being mean these guys are getting older they've got a million right. bumps i no, let's say this if you would have spoke to anyone in the year 2000, not one of those people would have told you Jeff Hardy could still be wrestling in 2023. So the fact that that guy is still moving around right now after all of the bumps that he has and then all the demons that he's had, like you mentioned, he's had a lot going on. So I like the fact that if he's out there, we know that he's doing well, but you wonder, he's had a lot of opportunities He's not someone you're going to build the whole company around right now. Is it – you always ask the questions like this, like with any sports team. Do you want to invest the time into it, right? And what, and what, what's left for him to accomplish? I'm not saying he he's not a worthy human being. Don't take it that way at all. No, no, no. I'm going to get he, that. He's not going to win your world title. Is he no. going to win your tag <laughs> titles? Are, they gonna, are you going to tell a story around that? I don't – Maybe. If I don't, maybe. I is doubt it just going to be like a nostalgic thing? Um. But I'm if not you sure. do have him, doesn't he need to be on TV every week? Or at least be giving us some vignettes when they're not, some stories. Again, because he's not cheap. Give me a feud, right? Give me some feuds. I don't <sighs> like seeing a lot of great talent out there with no. just good match or match, not not real purpose. Right. We have the, again, another positive. 
Chad, this is the Kenny Omega I've been wanting forever. This was like the most serious promo he's ever cut in his life um, on AEW. This is the kind of promos that he would cut in New Japan. This is the type of promo he cuts after the AEW show. I talked to you about this when I went to the <laughs> show live at the forum. After the show is over and TV and there's no TV, he cuts these incredible promos like it's John Cena talking you back into the arena yeah. and – he can do this, and I was listening. Hey, we, to, we got two big positives on this show already. Stop I know. The clock. Look at this. I I was listening to Wade Keller and um on the PW Torch, and why I I like Wade is that he's very critical of everyone, and he's super positive of of WWE AW when he has to be critical when he when he does, and like um what, him and one of his guests said Heck, when when AEW was created, I literally expected thought it was going to be like here's a way to just show everybody Kenny Omega you know like this guy oh, was I like totally, I was the same with, with the elite and the bucks I thought too. that was what AEW was going to be we were expecting it like this guy comes over from New Japan he's got all this buzz people have talked about him as like the best non WWE wrestler in the world he was a household name for a lot of people that, that oh Kenny Omega Kenny Omega that Probably hadn't even seen him that much or only seen him a little. And he he's never been the baby face star at all in this company. Not one time. No. Never. Like never like a main event baby face for whatever reason. And they did this with Cody too. And it hurt them and it has hurt them. Like I know you didn't you you're the EVPs and you don't want it to seem like you're you're do you're booking yourself to win the title or you know Dusty got crap for doing that type when a thing when he was the booker but but when Cody did that oh I can never win the title and when we don't have Kenny Omega in the main event and we don't have the Bucks towards the top of the tag team championship picture all the divisions feel weaker those guys should always be there well we did get the He's the Impact and AEW World Champion, and then yeah. Christian Didi. Remember that? Yeah, that was just. Yes, go. But, but and no, what? And that, no, that did look, a lot for Impact too, right? No, <laughs> no. Uh, look, I, I agree. This this is the second big positive for this show, and it's been a long time since you and I both thought that there were two really good things that gone on, and two of them had to do with promos. The matches are usually always fine. There's botches here and there, and. Stuff that don't make sense, and we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, don't worry, we'll really? get critical in a minute. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 lathering the old goose up right now <laughs> before it goes into the oven. But two very much needed promos by two guys that needed them, right? In in the back, you in the in the back of Kenny's house, they've got that painting hanging up of him and Don Callis with no <laughs> yeah. shirts on. The one That's that they that they did the mimic of Vince. You know, so which is great. I'm not gonna lie, that's good. This is really funny stuff. Um, so they have uh, the Blackpool Combat Club. These guys are just going straight heel. They were just beating, just beating the crap out of poor Cutler and Nakazawa here. So, um, yeah, they uh, after the match, here come Omega Hangman and the Bucks, which I thought was funny because they said they weren't there, and I like the. The timing on this show was awful for people making saves. It's like your buddies <laughs> just got destroyed and cut up, and they're like, "What the hell took you so long, man?" You know? <laughs> like, 
Where were you guys? They were in catering. Where were you guys? Uh, somebody like there was a fence that they had to, you know, go Climb. around, and the yeah. fence. Didn't, it was a code. Nobody could figure out the code to get in the gate. It was just this whole thing, and oh man. But uh, that looks like they'll be building to a big, the elite versus Blackpool Combat Club. We'll probably get like a four on four at the next big pay per view, I'd imagine, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, we have the women. Ruby Soho and Tony Storm versus Riho and Sky Blue. This was the Outcasts, so they pick up a win here. I will say they look better overall as a as a team, the three of them, and they have better spray paint now than they did before. <laughs> I think shout out to whoever their new spray paint sponsor is supplying them because uh, this this paint was sticking a lot better. It this this to me is just like it's like a C. Like I I'm glad that there's a Somewhat of like a story with the women and that they have a a purpose. But again, they haven't really moved forward Evolved. with it yes. Yes. at all. Yeah. And it's like what are we going? Let's start speeding this process up. And then again, the they they win the match, the outcasts. They're beating up the baby faces. And then like 20 minutes later, Jamie Hayter comes running out. And then she gets her butt kicked by all of them. And then five minutes later, Britt uh, comes running out. It's like, why weren't Britt and Jamie out there together? Like always, it was yes. so off. I just like, what, where, that, what? It, it just, it was, it, I, I, okay. So yeah, you explained it perfectly. Uh, it's starting to, I'm not going to say tighten up. But well, we're it getting, looks better. Oh, like it does on paper, and we're getting there. The problem is, it's not growing. It's like you get this, like, hey, I want, I want to be a gardener for the first time, and I'm going to plant this. And okay, I've planted it, and it sprouted. And six months later, it still looks healthy, but it hasn't grown. Give me some substance here with my seeds that I've planted. This dandelion of of whatever. You've got some things there. You've got some people invested now. The spray paint is a little bit better, as you said. Let's <laughs> tighten it up. And this was not a way to tighten it up. I don't know no. where we're going here with this, other than Britt and Jamie turning right or, or Britt. I, I don't. I don't know where we're going with this. With this, I know the women's division. It's it's chaotic right now. We get to the main event: Chris Jericho versus Keith Lee. And oh, so, a couple things. First off. One of the perks of AEW, why the wrestlers, male and female, enjoy it, one of them, in just reading through their comments and what they've said, they get a lot of freedom. They get a lot of opportunity to have creative freedom, to probably to have freedom over their wardrobe and over like how the matches are set up. And for a lot of wrestlers, it's great. But I will say for some people, you need it. Like for me, Chad, I'm I'm able to go and kind of do things on my own, but I actually really like being coached and produced. Like I like when someone tells me what to do um, or like, hey, cut that down, turn that up, like speed that up a little bit because I'll just respond to it. Like give me the direction. I'll follow it. I'll do it. I, and I think a lot of people are like that. But we have Keith Lee here in the main event. 
And so many people gave the WWE crap for Keith Lee. How is this guy not a surefire main eventer? I can't believe this guy isn't main eventing every show. I, you and I said the same thing for a while. We did. I, I was like, man, he had unbelievable time on NXT. He had these moments with Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton and all these, like, and how, how couldn't you figure it out? Then we heard that he had some health issues. So I do want to preface all of this with saying, I don't know where he stands right now health-wise, but I do know that what made Keith Lee unique, what got Keith Lee over, was he was a big guy who was really fast and did things in the ring that very few guys his size could do and could could move at his speed and quickness. And he also had like a unique kind of charisma to him where he didn't even really need to cut promos all that much, but he was he was just a really likable guy. And I don't know why he just one day changed his hair and just stopped dyeing his hair. And it does look like he's a little bigger than we've ever seen him before, just weight-wise. Just to, I'm, I'm gonna be yeah, Gino, let me let, let me just let me be the bad guy here. He doesn't look good. No, and and it and the reason why I'm saying it is not because you have to look a certain way in wrestling and there are guys and gals who are fantastic in ring great characters and they don't look like your your stereotypes, right (laughs) they don't look like the stereotype kevin owens yeah like perfect example like this right off the bat kevin because kevin owens does everything well kevin owens is great in ring and kevin owens is great on the mic and kevin owens will sell you on on anything and Wade Keller wrote on, and, I, and I've referenced them a few times because I thought this was really good. He wrote, if you watch this 14-minute match at double speed and it, and it feels like it's seven minutes, you may enjoy it. And there were, there were two or three things in this match where you're like, damn, impressive spot from Keith Lee. He still does the moonsault. It's impressive. It's, it was noticeable that he was moving at a very slow pace all throughout this match. I mean, it was basically like hitting a move, walking around, kind of hitting a move, kind of selling it to the crowd a little bit. It made, it was, I was a little bit sad and disappointed in watching it it because it just didn't seem like the same wrestler from a few years ago. And I don't want to be physically where, where we run into a tricky spot here is that when you're putting on a TV show and you're running a company like this, there's, you can have goodwill Right. You can still have people on your show that may not be in the greatest of shape or that may not be able to do everything. And we still may want to see them. But should they be in the main event going 15 minutes if they can't do it against someone like Jericho? And you almost feel bad for Jericho here because like he's doing his best to make this work and he wants to get Keith Lee over, I'm sure. But they tried to convolute that Keith Lee and Adam Cole are buddies. We'd never heard about this before until a week ago. <clears throat> they did all this to shoehorn him in. I just, I just, I did not think this was a good showing for Keith Lee. I, I really didn't. No. And I, and I wish I could say, Gino, you're wrong. Uh, you're not. It, it just, it, it didn't, it wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good presentation. I, I there's something obviously going on with Keith Lee that, uh, we may or may not ever hear uh, the, the the physical uh, that you can see. Um, you go from one week, uh, we go from this the next week. And hey, look, I know all about grays and beard. My my beard is loaded with gray, and I take that with pride. 
but it's just like you have but an you're overnight. not on TV yeah, right. like trying right. to look younger and badass, sure. right? They sure. would they, and and be a good guy. Like if you were a bad guy like that, leave your gray in, look older like that. You know, it just and you um, want to get and we're wanting to get behind this guy, right? Every and then and wait, and then not to interrupt. Like while it feels like okay, there's a big Keith Lee moment. He's in the main event here. Swerve Scott gets involved yes. in the match that, at the end and like yes. comes in. I thought this feud was over months ago. And this is where I sent you the message in the wee hours of the morning last night. Have you watched Dynamite yet, Gino? Because I've I, got issues with this. I, I know. And, um, and yeah, please, so please go, folks, because we've been super positive on this episode. But yeah. this, it, it was like. Make, the ending made no sense. I, they tried to build it up. Who was it that said, well, so-and-so, walk, a page walked out of here one week to check on Gar- Garcia. Uh, so, or Martin, someone, uh, he's got to do it. No, I just, it made zero sense. And it was just a major flub, a major flub to end this show with. Yeah. Super, super wonky. <laughs> to, to and, end. And, your ne- and your next pay-per-view is Memorial weekend. It's double or nothing, right? Yep. So okay, I guess so it looks like you're, so we're on the road to that. probably getting some of the big matches that we can see in our head that Elite versus Blackpool Combat Club, the four-way for the the uh, title for MJF. We have probably Chris Jericho, Adam Cole. It looks like that could be a match. It looks like Starks, Jay, uh, Jay White. So, I mean, again, on paper, they're fine, but we'll we'll, uh, we'll see. And, again, for Adam Cole, that, that first week was good. Have they done a whole lot in the next couple weeks to build off of his momentum if you feel like he could be one of your guys to beat MJF and be a major babyface of the company? I don't know. I don't know, man. He's a little cooler right now. And and, and as you mentioned at the beginning, they're in a weird spot over the next several weeks, too, with these NBA playoffs that are just now getting underway. Do you blow a lot of stuff on these shows that are going to be moved around in different hours and different channels? You know, this is a test. Remember, WWE had to deal with this with the Westminster dog. dog. I would be like, damn it. Damn it. it. Get the pure breed out of here. Damn it. I don't want to see Iron Mike Sharp. You know, uh, so so I, I, I don't know. You may not get their best effort. Then again, you may. I don't know. This may be their most compelling TV over the next couple of weeks, but that's a hurdle. But uh, all systems are go for this. This is one of their biggest pay-per-views of the year, Memorial Day weekend. It's going to be in Las Vegas. So uh, th- this will be a big, big time to see if some titles are going to change hands uh, in AEW. What was the best coming out of this show was I felt very good about Darby and Kenny. Yes. Just as, like, guys moving forward that could be raised back up towards the top of the card. Um, really good stuff from the both of them. So glad we got to spend a little extra time on AEW today to catch up from the last few weeks. Let's sort of rattle through what happened on SmackDown last week. Um, we had uh, Raquel and Liv pick up a win early on uh, in the show, and then that helped them because they're going to end up winning the uh, Raw Tag Team Championships. We'll talk about that on Monday. Uh, we had the Brawling Brutes against Gunther, Vinci, and Ludwig. And, man, these guys, when they go at it, they're freaking awesome. Like anytime you throw these guys together and we actually had, um, you know, Seamus and Butch and Ridge get a win. So I think on this show too, which was, what was nice was just kind of rehabbing some of the, the guys after WrestleMania weekend, Ricochet, yeah. Ricochet yeah. picked up a win over Ivar, which was good to see for him. 
And then we had a, a funny moment with Kevin and uh, Sammy in the back and KO's like staring at the titles, like just like <laughs> gazing at them. And Sammy walks up. He's like, you just staring at the titles right there. And he's like, no, no. And he's like, I know I, I did it too. But uh, so it's, it's good to see these guys just really having fun. Um, other things of no, we're going to get Nakamura making a return um, soon, which should be great. He'll uh, what, what program do you put him in? Man, I'd love to see him with L.A. Knight. Okay. Right, because okay. L.A. Knight could talk, and Nakamura will just, like, you know, make, you know, like, make weird responses to him. And I don't know what you're even, what, what is it, what, what kind of movement are you doing over there? Like, he, L.A. Knight just going to be screaming, what is this thing that you do? You know, like, I could just see him. And I think uh, the two would have a hell of a match, too. Me, too. Me, too. That would be a blast. Um, could see something like that. We had Triple H talk about the draft which is coming up soon uh, in the next few weeks. So we know that the draft will be coming. We'll get a little bit of a shakeup on both sides. Judgment Day came out, and Judgment Day kind of reset themselves. Rhea talked about winning. Finn Balor spoke about how Edge split his head open to get a win. Then Dominic gets on the mic, and he just can't even speak. (laughs) He can't even speak. The crowd is just booing him so much. And Who you is can that, see DZ that that's anti Dom. That I think he's, I think yeah. I think he's he said he's warmed up. This he was has. fantastic on Friday though. Re- what regardless what do you think about him? That's the major hill heat right there, man. He was a, what I like is that it was almost like Jimmy Fallon on Saturday Night Live. There was a moment when Dom was starting to crack a smirk because it was yeah. like you got to be proud of yourself when the crowd hates you that much. You're doing yeah, your job yeah. as a heel when they're booing yeah. you so much. And like a year ago, Dominic Mysterio would have stood in the middle of the ring and nobody would have cared. Oh, yeah, yeah. People yeah. wouldn't have cheered or they wouldn't have booed. Maybe got a 619 chan or something like that. would have been like, hey, cool. And then that's it, like, <laughs> really. Like, under- so um, Damian Priest and Dominic get a win over Ray and Santos. And I like the fact that they've been able to incorporate Santos and um, Joaquin Wild and, and Cruz into this because at, at some point they they'll be able to push the button on that guy, Chad. I know you and I have always been. Yeah, and I like this L, L, LWO stuff coming back. Um, LWA, um, they this the, these guys can go, and they've been brought up for a main reason. A, a lot of things may be on hold a little bit, unfortunately, over the next couple of weeks, except for. You know, the Bloodline storyline or the Cody Brock storyline because of the draft. But once that we get past this draft, we're going to see some guys and girls get relaunched. And I expect Santos and those guys to really start getting after it, making a push for the uh, love to see them and, and Sammy and KO go for it for the tag team titles, man, or them and the Street Profits. That's, a, that's some hell of a talent right there, man. One thing we've seen um, again in the last couple of weeks, they are really, really starting to hint at Solo Sokoa being a yeah. major player in this Bloodline yeah. story. Pretty um, obvious. Jay Uso versus Sami Zayn was the main event of SmackDown, and Jay Uso gets the win because of help from Solo. Prior to the match, Paul Heyman uh, backstage told Solo that if Jay doesn't take care of the Sami Uso problem, that Solo is going to take care of, the, of their problems, sort of hinting that they may send Solo to deal with the Usos. And what's cool about this is Solo helps Jay win. 
Um, I mean, I don't love Kevin and Sammy getting losses like this all the time. Kevin lost on right. Monday also. But, man, I, I'm wondering now is, like, I, I don't know this, but it's like, is Solo going to be a guy that at some point could turn on Roman Reigns and be someone they want to elevate? Superstar? Yeah, could like, he be a rock type? Could you get, could Solo, I know we've booked it already on my, on, uh, on our guy LA Knight, could Solo win the money in the bank? And uh, like, you know, that's, that's a good question. And then this you've got this is... crazy story to tell because he's got it. Roman's like, you can't do that. You know, he doesn't want it. And then we start seeing Solo because what, what you got to always remember, like Solo and the Usos are brothers. Right. So they are closer than Solo, than Roman. If any, if there's any sort of a, a grouping, it will probably be Solo and the brother than the Usos, you know? So, man, I, I just was, it can't be a coincidence how strong they're keeping him. Because normally when they have a, a, a faction like this, they have like a guy like Solo would just take a bunch of L's and they wouldn't even care. Right. But well, it, there, there's, there's a reason why Solo is being involved, not only in the bloodline, but being involved in the main events now on both shows. Mm-hmm. And it's not coincidental. Because um, he beats the, Kevin Owens on Monday night. He in does. the main event of Monday Night Raw in a good match. Um, and, you know, he gets the win with some help from Jimmy Uso, from the Usos there. And then after the match, we get we get uh, Sammy and Riddle. So Riddle is sort of like the new um, the new piece in this helping out Sammy and KO. And I would imagine at the Puerto Rico show, we probably get a six-man tag, do you think, with those three? Versus Solo yeah. and the Usos. And my I don't qu- think Roman's going to be on that show. No, I don't think Roman is either. And my question is to you. Um, we okay with Riddle being in this spot? See, like, this is what what they did to try to get cute. They pushed Roman and Cody out of this of this story. They pushed Cody to Brock. They pushed Roman off he's going to be able to sit off tv for a few weeks and not have to be involved in anything and you sort of tried to like bait and switch you like oh hey look here's riddle you haven't seen him for a while you kind of like him be happy with it you know but it definitely it's weird right now and i think the wwe universe has not warmed up to it i think they like the fact that riddle is back but if you've noticed the last couple of times during the run-in it hasn't been a super super overly uh, massive pop there. There was that one time he came in and did the flying knee and stuff. I don't know. I don't like, I'm all for the bloodline story continuing, but don't cheapen it. And I'm, and I hate to say it that way with riddle. Cause I'm not saying riddle's a cheap player, but I, it doesn't seem natural to me right now. Sammy sort of mentioned it on SmackDown. He did. Um, he's he did. like, this feels sort of weird. Like, it doesn't feel like it's finished or there's something off. And, and I got to talk to Jimmy, you know, Jay. Or the, yeah, but it does, yeah. it does feel a little a little off. But um, it, it was a hot ending to Raw. It was. Give it, that. it was much better than the Raw after Mania, but it was a good hot so, ending there. Yep. And then as we get to Monday Night Raw, they were dealing with major travel oh, man, issues. Man. Major travel issues. And so, you know what? They did... Like you said, this Raw was better than the Raw after Mania. <laughs> fantastic. That's I thought it was a real wise. good Raw. And I and I really gave them more credit thinking about all of the people that were not on this show. Like, 
right off the bat, Bianca, Seth, like major, major talent, Street Profits, both. Um, you know, you could go through like groupings of guys yeah. and gals that were not on this show. And so some of the matches had to go a little bit longer, but there were a couple big things coming off the show that I thought were uh, were pretty well done. We have continued build for the Puerto Rico show. So Rey Mysterio uh, cuts a promo to start. He's interrupted by Dominic. They show everything that happened with Bad Bunny last week. Um, and Damian Priest and Finn Balor comes out and he sets up a match against Rey Mysterio. And you have Finn and Rey go 15 minutes and... The dude with a, a split skull, man. With a split skull a week <laughs> later, going 15 minutes Ooh. to open Raw in a good match. Um, really, really good between these two. And because of help from Dominic, Finn gets the win. So good start to the match, or good start to the show. Really nice match. We just keep rolling along, and we get a video package. Showed everything that's been going on with Brock and with Cody. We're going to hear more from Cody in just a bit. Women's Tag Team Championship match. First, we had a little backstage promo. Freaking Becky says local medical facility. It's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, come on. That's such a bitch thing. It's like, oh, come on. But um, Becky and Lita are your women's tag team champions. But they get it. Lita gets attacked last week. Um. We don't know exactly what happened to Lita. Now, Adam Pierce says that they have an opportunity to fill it, to have a fill in so he can let Trish fill in. So here we go. Becky and Trish filling in uh, for Lita. So this is something they've done more recently. And Coop, we thought that they maybe were going to do a Trish Stratus turn at WrestleMania. They saved it. It looks like they're going to have Trish Stratus around for say a couple more months, at least another program or two, because it it looks like we're going to get Trish versus Becky. We had Becky and Trish sort of looking like a tag team that didn't have chemistry. They looked like they were a little off with each other. And I like that they were telling that story. Yeah, I like that. They were obviously telling that they were like a step off and Raquel and Liv have the matching gear. So you're like, hmm. This is interesting. Well, I wonder if these two would be having matching gear if this was just going to be like a really short thing, but maybe they're going to win. Sure enough, we have Raquel and Liv get the win. It was a roll-up. Uh, <laughs> this match went about 17 minutes. It was it was a solid match, though, and the sloppy stuff in the match was part of the story. Right? Yeah. It was that, oh, maybe Trish doesn't isn't quite in the greatest of shape or Trish and Becky, you don't, they're not working together. But after the match, Raquel and Liv celebrate and Trish and Becky hug. It's okay. But Trish hits a chick kick. And afterwards, I think she said something like, I'm way better than you, or you're not in my league, something along those lines. So Trish Stratus heel. Remember she was a heel at the very beginning, right off the bat. She was uh, with Vince. She was running around with the uh, oh, yeah. with Test with TNA, uh, little TNA. TNA, you know. And uh, Trish Stratus. Now, this I think this will be good because unfortunately, Lita didn't seem like she had a whole lot left, or maybe she had a little bit of an injury right now she was dealing with. This will get us an opportunity to have 
Becky and Trish in a big match or a couple big matches. I don't know what Lita's involvement is going to be. Lita should be should help Becky in one of these matches win one of them at some point. And right. if you can get another match out of Lita and have one final Lita and Trish match, that would be pretty cool um, to do. And then that be Lita's last match. I don't Maybe know save if, that for SummerSlam, right? Or one of the big stadium shows that they have right. coming up. They've got, right. you know, Puerto Rico. Then they've got London, I think right after that. Um, right. Money in the bank so maybe you could do A Trish Lita there or like you said At SummerSlam I don't know But I I am kind of intrigued Now and I think I like this A lot more and to be fair It's kind of a cool Consolation prize for Liv and Raquel Two girls who have been doing like Liv's been doing really good work For about a year and a half you know like She they she didn't Have a good run with the title When they had her beat Ronda But she's there Every show, she I think she wrestled like the the most or the second most matches of any woman last year. All the live events, the the crowd loves Liv. The kids like her. We've seen some of the clips of her, how she interacts with the fans. There was a great one uh, like a month ago that we saw of her taking the girl backstage yeah, and yeah. telling her like we're going to be tag team champions together one day. So oh yeah, I think like Liv is a. She has gotten herself over. The crowd likes her. And both Liv and Raquel are good. They're kind of a fun dynamic for a tag team. And if Ronda and Shayna are hurt, nothing anybody could do about that, right? It happens in every sport, every wrestling company. People get hurt. They maybe had plans with Ronda and Shayna. Now they can't use them. They can't go with those plans. So what do you do? Hey, let's put it on these two baby faces who are good workers. The crowd will like. And... Like, let's just stick the titles on them for a while while we figure while we figure out what's next. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm o- I'm okay with all of it. Um, you know, it looks like Damage Control has probably seen the end of their their day, and we'll get to them in a little bit. I, I would like to see a couple of teams step up uh, instead of just like Natalia and Shotzi. Uh, I think Carmella is is, is still hurt. I, I'd like to see. I know Chelsea has some medical issues. Uh, post WrestleMania, but I think she's good to go. But again, you know, we're kind of who's the division now? Yeah, what's your division? Kind of, form, form this division, please. Bring up one or bring yes. up Chance and Carter if you have to from NXT because at least there's a, a team. Give well, me. She tweeted about that. She tweeted. Uh, uh, Carter tweeted about that to Live and said, "Hey, I think it's time for us to to take that shot." So that that happened immediately. So that would be one very good possibility uh, to do, especially. And I would do it here relatively quick because that team can go. They're they're good. The former NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, that is. One of the, the coolest things on the show, and this is why you have to watch and you never know. We crapped all over like Bronson Reed and Bobby Lashley. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Walking by each other backstage and them setting this up, it's like, and and here I'll still say it because it was good doesn't mean that they knew it was going to be good, right? Like they don't, right. they didn't know the crowd was going to respond to this the way they did, and Bobby Lashley still should have had more of a role on WrestleMania, WrestleMania weekend. They still should have been able to figure out something more for him than they did. But all that being said. These two guys come out and they just beat the absolute crap out of each other. They 
they don't stop beating each other up. Double count out. It goes like 12 minutes. And then after the match, as soon as the crowd's starting to go, oh, because the crowd was loving this match. And they were a little disappointed that there was not a winner. But then they just beat the crap out of each other after the match over and over. So the crowd gets right back into it and they don't care. Just brawl on the floor. Security referees come out, surprise, uh, separate them. And then all of a sudden, I care about this match. Now I want to see these yep. two guys on a pay-per-view. Hey, I would have loved to seen this at WrestleMania. Um, I know. Couldn't you I have just had, like, exactly, could you just had this. Lashley come out, say, who's out there for me, Bronson Reed come out, and then have them do this at Mania, but just let Lashley get the win at the end. It, and let Bronson so Reed look badass in losing. This was the, this was, again, two different companies, two different guys. But in one night in 15 minutes, this was better than anything I've seen for Bronson Reed to build him up in the last few years. I felt the same way about Darby Allen in like a 15 minute stretch. This is great for him. And there were moments in that match where the crowd was a little quiet because there were probably a decent amount of people that didn't know who Bronson Reed is. Not everyone that goes to a WWE live event knows their entire roster. Especially they don't really know what are, to, to root you know, for either right now. But, like Lashley's been babyface heel, babyface sure. heel all back and forth. But by the end of that match, they were all in on Bobby Lashley and they were all against Bronson Reed. And when the officials came out, there's old Jamie Noble running around Hurricane Helms. That crowd was hot. They wanted that match to continue. Job well done. Both both wrestlers and the bookers of that match. That was fantastic stuff on Raw. And we don't see a lot of that every week on Raw. Really good. Like just this is like one of the things that I'll remember most coming out of Raw. And I just sure. hope give me something good with Bronson now the next couple of weeks. Don't don't forget about this. Don't drop this. This is the buzz he's got. Put him on TV, ha- like set up a match with him and Lashley for a week or two, and then let me see him squash the hell out of one or two more people before that. Um, Cody. Cody comes uh, out, talks about everything that happened with Brock. And you may not like Cody. You may love Cody. He understands the WWE promo, how to cut these promos, how to really really get his point across and whatever they give him it's like he takes it he'll do a good job of putting it in his own words and making you think at the end of every promo wow that makes sense and now he you know he just talks about Brock Lesnar and this is obviously the direction for him but he's you know he's still in the back of his mind thinking about his finishing the story and I mean, I I thought it was a very good promo. And while I don't love what happened with Cody and I don't like that Roman's not around here, like he's making the best of this story that he can. And I'm I'm actually wondering if like I could see Cody losing to Brock Lesnar in this match. What like like a some sort of cheap loot like loss where Brock low blows him, something like that. And then Cody has to come back, beat Brock. And then keep telling his story and come back and beat Roman. But I, th- I thought Cody did a good job with this. Whether or not I love the feud for him and I love w- the direction, um, he he is th- he's rarely out there with a bad promo or having a bad segment where you're like, "What the hell happened?" This was he he's really good on TV right now, man. He's just he's good in all these segments. 
Yeah, it was just another stellar promo that uh, has you believe um, uh, everything that he says. And uh, towards the end of it, you know, he says, hey, you've you've bullied this guy. You've bullied this guy. Well, you're not going to bully me, Brock Lesnar. Um, I think it's going to be good. And I think it, it really, really builds up a really interesting match. I think we're going to get Brock back on Raw this next week. Is that right? If so, then yeah, I think so. Be it. Yeah, we're going to get them face to face. So this has got to um, be a Puerto Rico match. Yeah. Oh, I think. You know, what? Yeah, yeah. He 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 said, let's do it at WrestleMania back. Yeah, this yeah. has to be done now. It, it can't wait till till Stadium or SummerSlam. No, we we got to go now. Because if now. you do it the right way, you could do one or two, you could do get two matches out of these guys, and then maybe get a get get Cody Roman again at SummerSlam. Um, and if you're gonna have either Cody win that or lose that or whatever, but that could the timeline would make sense. You could do the Puerto Rico show, maybe the money in the bank. And then by SummerSlam, you could have maybe Cody and Roman get back to, uh, to feuding. Man, I, uh, another really good match. The alpha Academy versus the Usos. They go 13 minutes and they're telling this story. And man, I thought three or four times the Usos were going to lose. Yeah. They get the job done. Gable was so impressive here. 13 minutes. The Usos pick up a win. So between that match, between the uh, Bronson Reed um, Lashley match, which was which was really fun, and you, you weren't expecting, we got the heel turn from Trish, um, and what was cool to see Io Sky versus Mi Chin versus Piper Niven in a triple threat match for the number one contender, and Io Sky gets a win. We know what she can do. Uh, in singles competition in NXT, she was incredible, and they're telling a, a story. It was great to see Bailey back on TV, so that was also a positive. And now looks like Damage Control is splitting, and that could be good for Bailey, for EO, yeah. and for all these gals just to have different. I think with the with the draft coming up, right? It should yeah. it should work yeah. out perfectly. Yeah, I'd like to get Bailey away from there. I'd like you know as good as Bailey has been on Raw, I'd like to see her on SmackDown. Um, you, you could go a lot of different directions with her, but, uh, you could definitely see the, the, the end of damage control as a, as a three person group, uh, is going to be ended here pretty soon. It probably ends with the draft, them getting split up. The main event was solo versus KO. We talked all about that one. Solo gets the win, but following the match. They were on the uh, AEW time clock. Sammy and Riddle come out way late when Kevin Owens is getting beat down, but they do save their buddy KO. I'd imagine we get the Usos and Solo versus Sammy, KO, and Riddle at Backlash. That'll be fun. We'll get something with uh, the Judgment Day and with Mysterio and um, and Bad Bunny and probably the, the uh, LWO in some way, shape, or form. Sure. We'll get a Becky Trish. Something there. We'll get a Brock Cody. Something there. So I mean, on card, man. On paper, right there. Even without a Roman Reigns, like that's good. You'd have to imagine, you know, possibly something with like the IC title and Guther, maybe even Sheamus, because they Sheamus picked up the win on SmackDown the other day. So maybe Sheamus gets another shot there. Um, Yeah, still, still a lot going. That's good on WWE. And as we head over to NXT, we'll finish up. This episode with our NXT segment, they had an, a four-way championship match to get an NXT title shot, and the women's tag team championship was on the line. 
But we opened up with Carmelo Hayes. He's the new NXT champ, and he talked all about you know Braun who attacked him and last week, and Braun had a, a heel turn. But what he was doing was setting up the contenders for tonight's four way. We had first up Dragon Lee. We had JD McDonough. We had Waller, and then um, he mentioned Braun. So, what do you think of the opening promo? It's you don't have to tweak Carmelo a lot as a babyface. Just a little bit of his verbiage is tweak is tweaked, right? <laughs> and like, and Trick is like a little nicer now, and Trick is just a little like he talks trash to the heels instead of talking trash to the babyfaces. But Trick has really grown on me. He's real. He, yeah. I think he's a great hype man, and he's funny. Yeah. He's got a good look. Carmelo's awesome. Like I like the package of these guys and. He does feel like a big star and, you know, all like the main event picture now, it, it's starting to feel a little more full. Um, we had, uh, I think I said, uh, a, a Braun was in the, uh, the, uh, the match. It ended up being Duke Hudson, Dragon Lee, McDonough, Duke Hudson and Grayson Waller. But it, you just feel like these guys at the top now, you know, so you've got Carmelo Grayson has been doing really good work. You've got both of the guys from NXT UK that JD McDonough and Dragonoff that feel like you could slot them in anywhere. Tyler Bates kind of quietly doing better because he's getting a little more character now. Even though it was the some of the goofy stuff with Chase U, he needed character because he was really good in the ring. And and then like, man, we're gonna talk about Wesley in a minute too. He feels like he is right up at the top. Like I love everything he's doing. So they've got a good group. Of like five or so guys towards the top of the the main event that I I feel really good about right now. Yeah, any one of them could be on a main roster, uh, and not just WWE anywhere. Um, I like the opening segment. You know, it was a little WWE old school WWE ish where oh yeah guys come out and but one at a time, very clean. All with their music, you know why? You know you have this, and And then you can tell one of the guys would be a little late for their cue, so somebody has to repeat their line. I said, said. (laughs) (laughs) "That's always uh, that's always fun." But yeah, Yeah. look, and it turned out to be one hell of a main event, didn't it? It was really good. There's a lot of talent there, and speaking of uh, of Braun, you know he goes and beats the hell out of everybody. This was. This would have been the Braun version I wanted to I see in the beginning. You know who he's reminding me of? Not his dad. He's starting to remind me of Scott Steiner. He is. You I know? love it. When his face gets red after yeah, his and he just like that. like goes off the cuff and goes crazy. I, that's Scott Steiner made over, man. Because that was funny. That will get him back to being a baby face. Yes. Just yes. doing that, like just him going crazy, people will start cheering it because it's so badass. But it was good. Braun beats everyone's ass at the end and will probably get I'm not exactly sure the way they're going to do it. Grayson's got the match coming up, right? As the, the yes, spring break match yeah, in yeah. two weeks. And then we'll probably get one more mellow Braun after that um, at some point. But yeah, I mean, towards yeah, the top yeah, of, the, one of the one of, somebody from NXT is going to get drafted. They have to. Braun, have it's got to be, be Braun. It's got to be Braun. Who? Yeah. And who speaking of up. Trick, I wanted to mention this about Trick. I I thought this was the most annoying dude of all time. Me too. But I stu- I stuck with NXT from from 
the relaunch all the way through, and these these guys grow long grow on you. I like the guys now. Me, I like dude, Chad. I could yeah. not feel more same. At he the beginning, so annoying. He was it was like annoying. go away heat too, and it was it was yes. more like uh, I don't even want to see this. But now it's like it's funny. He's like found his voice. He's got these like little quick hitters that are like when you really hear what he said, you're like, damn, that was creative. Like that was good. And um, I, Carmelo and Trick, they got some talent. They're gonna be a main roster act before long. We had a lot of drama with Kiana James and Fallon Henley and uh, Brooks and our guy. And this just keeps going. It just keeps going. Um, Alba and Isla pick up the win. So they're the uh, the women's tag team champions and they keep going on. Um, after the match, Jensen has James in his arms. There was uh, all the talk about was he che- was she cheating on him? No, because they weren't exclusive. They weren't exclusive, Chad. They didn't talk about it. He didn't ask her to be his girlfriend. He didn't give her the the steady ring. They're not going steady. So this is, this is peach pit drama all is, over again. Love me, Beverly Hills nine oh two one NXT. I threw it in there, man. I'm glad you did. As uh, we continue on, Noam Dar showed up, which was cool. Noam yeah, Dar yeah. had the Heritage Cup with him, and he is really good in ring. It'll be nice to get Noam Dar in the mix with with uh, some of this great talent. I could see a really fun Noam Dar Wesley match. Like that would yeah. be uh, yeah, a ton of fun. We had the Chase U MVP presentation <laughs> as uh, Chase. Says that uh, Duke was the most valuable player, and they will always have a fight together. And uh, they gave him a big trophy, and they uh, um, br- uh, so Duke ends up, you know, getting the spot that Braun was going to get later on. Um, and Braun looks even more like a heel as he hits Andre Chase with a spear, and uh, <laughs> so. I, he I, starts doing some Steiner math, brother. Look out. I'm going to pop. I thought this was <laughs> one, too. And I, I'm i intrigued with the Andre Chase Duke stuff. I thought they've made us care more about Duke than we ever did when he was playing cards and doing other stupid stuff. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I, I thought he's been uh, he's been pretty good in here. We were building Gigi up even more. I This is good for her character. The, like overall because now they'll get to tell a full story my only thing was man she was really over in that yeah. in that championship match and if she would have won there the crowd would have loved it i know they have more to tell with her and jc but some like we say sometimes you never know and as soon as they made her a baby face the crowd has really been into gg yes yeah, I I often look. I don't with you. I don't have a problem of them telling the story. Hey, look, this is where this is at. Man, she was hot. I thought she was. She could be the one that t- that took that title. You know, um, at stand and deliver. I, you get. We got to get her back, man, pretty quick. She's she's a star. She was a star on the indie scene. She's great. Um, she's kind of like the underdog. A little bit like the emo underdog a little bit. I think they got to get her back on TV here pretty soon. But I did like the presentation of her to see another side of Gigi Dolan. I did like that. 
we continued along. Where did we go next? We had Eddie Thorpe show up. Eddie Thorpe just got a, a win. He is new. We haven't seen him too much, so he picks up the win over uh, Javi. Then we had Gallus backstage. They uh, have a match coming up with the Dyad, and those guys actually asked to be released. For, uh, Reed and Fowler, but they're still on TV, and they're going to have a, a feud, it looks like, coming up with uh, with Gallus, who, I mean, it, so it, we have that match coming soon, right? These guys versus yeah. Gallus versus the Creeds. Is that what I think our our match yes. that we're that we're going to have with those three? So that'll be coming soon. Tiffany Stratton, who should be your NXT Women's Champion soon, uh, looks like a million bucks. She is going to have a match against Saul Ruka. Scripps also has a warning uh, for Axiom. Um, we had a little gymnastics between Saul Ruka and Tiffany Stratton, but this thing went about six minutes. If you told me in a year these two had like a 15 or 20 minute main event match for the NXT Women's Championship, I wouldn't be shocked at all. No. They're no. they've got the look, they've got a little something unique to them, and they're really good in the ring and they have a lot of upside. Uh both of these gals are very good. Tiffany picks up the win. Just imagine that she's very close to being your next women's champion. But Cora Jade, she's also back. And Cora Jade cuts a promo. It was, you know, to her just calling everybody out. And what I do like about her, she looks a little more grown up now. Yes. Yeah. Right? She's yeah. just growing into her body a little. She's young and really thin and really small. So she's just growing, like, just growing up. She feels a little bit more like a heel. And I, I would actually really like to see her and Braun as like a heel grouping because Braun <laughs> and her are are dating in real life. They always yeah. post pictures together and stuff on Instagram. Yeah. That would be pretty funny because a year ago, these were the two like biggest baby faces of white meat <laughs> baby faces. We were worried about little young Cora Jade like doing the skater gimmick. But I, you know I like her. They've got they've got. They look like she's been out tanning a little bit. Yes. It never, hurt, it never hurts a good heel to go tan. Remember, like, Razor Ramon? Mm-hmm. These guys would come to, you know, to they would be tanned up, oiled up. It, it never hurts to uh, put a little tanning lotion on some. But I, I agree. Um, they took her off TV for a little bit. People complained, where's Cora? Oh, my God, they're booking her bad. And then she comes back, and she looks a lot better presentation-wise. She's got the in-ring. She doesn't have to be everything to everyone, right? You have to, like, when you get in the ring, you have to bounce around and do all this and make everything happen at one time. Just focus on a couple little things, hone your character, and you'll be a much better worker. I think that's what they're doing to a lot of these people in NXT, and it's working out. And looks like Cora and Lyra Valkyria will have a, a little feud right now for Cora's sort of first feud back. We had uh, Dragonoff and Von Wagner. Poor Robert Stone. I know. I mean, this guy just, (laughs) he's lost everyone. I know. Poor Stone. We need need him and Chelsea back together. (sighs) We need to put those two together. You know, because Chelsea doesn't need someone to talk for her, but just the way these, the the two of them would play off each other would be great. Like like Stone and Chelsea, like, oh my God, you're absolutely right. Like he would roll out red carpets for her, you know, and it would be, it would be very good. Dragunov picks up a quick win. It only goes about four minutes or so. And 
Stone told Vaughn they're done and he leaves. Like, let's find something for for Stone. Like, why can't I know that they've made him a little bit of a joke? You could so easily and so quickly just make him seem serious if you wanted to. Like, you're telling me he couldn't come out and be the voice for Asuka or EO Sky? Something. Somebody. That needs him. The guy is just too good not to use. He's too entertaining. And there's a reason why he stayed around this long, though. In all these different companies. Look, look, if if they didn't want you, I promise you WWE would have gotten rid of you a long time ago. So this says something. The dude can go. He can work. He's actually a pretty good wrestler, too. So Dijak versus Dragunov could be fun. That could be be really fun between these two guys. We had Tank Ledger, uh, former football player. Yeah, this was interesting. Um, Joe Coffey picks up the win against him. I guess it's not surprising to see the new guys losing a little bit like this, but I mean, he's a big, big football player guy. You figured, uh, I thought they'd want to give him a good look right off the bat, but they, they like the coffee and they like the Gallus guys, man. Um, so the creeds attack them and that's the match that we're going to have set up the triple threat tag team match. Tony D and Stax were talking backstage to Roxanne, and look at how babyface Tony D is. He's talking with the baby faces like about anxiety backstage. <laughs> I think the I'm surprised, but maybe they're they're waiting it. Like pe- people are starting to get really into the Tony D and Stax pairing, and and I am too. There's like a really I, cool too. brothership between them. Yeah, I like and it. It's, it's different than Tony before, who was kind of a gimmicky character that yeah, we liked and was funny. The guy from New York, yo. This yeah, feels just Italian. like, like more, more real. Natural. Like yeah. this is my brother that I love. Like this guy's been here by my side. I, I think it's this is pretty good. But Zoe Stark talked trash to Roxanne, so they set up uh, some matches for next week. Gallus versus the Creed Brothers versus the Dyad triple threat match for the NXT Championship. Um, Wesley versus Charlie Dempsey for the North American title. Roxanne versus Zoe. So a couple good matches on paper for next week. And then we had that fatal four-way. Dragon Lee, J.D. McDonough, Duke Hudson, Grayson Waller. I mean, everybody was good in so here. So good. So good. Dragon good. Lee is a star. He he really stood yes. out. And Waller gets the win. Great. What, oh, what, yeah. what did he say something about, you know, the like the – um, non-sanctioned matches don't go against your record. was <laughs> <laughs> a great heel thing to say. So, I mean, overall, NXT's in, in pretty good shape right now. I just, I feel good about, yeah. I feel good about the, the Ross, the men's singles, the women's singles. I do think the tag divisions need a little bit of help. They on, do need work. In, in NXT and then the women's division on the main roster could use yeah. some help. Like Alba yeah. and... If they wanted a fast track, Alba and Isla would be a fun, like, com- contender for Raquel and Liv. You know, right? That's a good point. team that feels like a team. But the problem is you throw them up and you don't really have much of a division in NXT around them. They need to get a couple other pairings of women together because that, that tag team division is very much lacking. But uh, Koopa Loop, my man. We are done for the week. So what's been on your radar sports wise? Like what what are you now that we're uh, we're not having a whole lot of college stuff, are you into baseball as much or basketball right now? Or like what what'll you be paying attention to in the next couple months? 
Yeah, I like to I like to dibble around and player props, uh, K props in baseball and in hit props in baseball. Um, I, I I'm not a massive baseball fan, but I like to to dibble into that. Oh, you know what? You got to um the one of the places that I'm doing a, a new show for. It's a mm-hmm. a partner that we're doing. It. They're named Thrive Fantasy. It's an app. Okay. And they're live in Texas. Also, you can I'll bet you up. can you can play them in Texas. You can play them in California. Here for anyone listening. It is their entire um, contests are all props. So what, so what you do is you put together, they'll have like 20 props for a, a contest and you have to pick 10 of them and then they'll set the line. You know, it'll be okay. like Clayton Kershaw sure. over or under five and a half strikeouts. And you just have to pick which of the 10 props you like. And it's based on a contest. And what's cool is they're all like, you know, the the featured games will be like a $20 game with like a $2,000 pool. There's only 100 other people that you're playing against, so you're not playing against thousands and thousands. And if you right. win, you win 500 bucks, things like that, and they, they pay out the top 20. Um, it's actually, if you like to play props, which I do, um, and I know and, and you do, oh, yeah. this, that's, this that's, is yeah. perfect because it's all prop stuff. And so what's nice is like if you're someone who handicaps props for games, you'll already have looked at a lot of these. And you can actually look since they build the the contest a day or two early. Sometimes all you have to do is just look at the line and see the way the line is moved. It'll say like right. Anthony Davis, uh, 40 points, rebounds, assist. But then you'll look at the line and it'll already be up to 45. So now you go, OK, I'm going to go over because in the last day, all the money is gone on the over. So you just can follow the money. You know, um, a lot of the times because these contests are built early and then you can get a really good direction of like where the money's moving. So Coop, whenever it made you up, brother, you yeah, thrive, tell me twice, thrive fantasy. And uh, when you deposit, use that promo code G.I.N.O. It'll get you a, a, oh, a match bonus all the way up to 250. And then we'll get a little I'll get a little perk for uh for using oh, yeah. that promo code. But yeah, so I'm doing it. Let's uh, any, it does, brother. If you're watching anything in the NBA playoffs or if you have a thought on any of these games in the next few weeks when we talk, let me know, and and we'll talk about something at the uh, at the end of our shows. But Coop, my man, you are the best, as always. Thank you so much for all your help with everything. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. We will be following you along at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram, and I look forward to talking more wrestling with you next week, buddy. Thanks so much. You got it, Gino. Have a good weekend. The Chad Cooper right there. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more on That's What She Said. Big thank you to Coopaloop for helping us out as that finishes up this episode. So good luck on Friday, Saturday, Keeneland with your Oaklawn plays. And in everything going on in the NBA, we'll have Eric back next week and we'll start talking a little bit more NBA. Don't forget about the daily NBA shows. Saturday, Sunday, noon Eastern time. Just follow me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. And Thrive Fantasy, if you like to play, put a few bucks in while you're watching the games, this is a great site for you. You'll have a lot of fun playing the props. Thrive Fantasy, use that promo code G-I-N-O. Best of luck this weekend, folks, and we'll be back again talking next week.